Welcome to another edition of the Ultimate Weigh In Show. I'm your host, Manpreet, aka MMA Lock of the Night. Andrew Boy on Twitter at MMA LOT. And this week we're going to be going over UFC Vegas 26, headlined by a short notice flyweight made event between Marina Rodriguez and Michelle Watterson. Obviously, we're supposed to get Corey Sanhagen versus TJ Dillashaw. That falls through. Not the most uh, satisfying of things, but it is what it is. Decent card all around. We had a couple dropouts this morning, so obviously we'll be speaking about that as we go through the card. Uh, but I got some friends with me. As always, always, you guys know, we do a rotating cast on here, and I got some good friends, some longtime friends, uh, and, and some very sharp friends as well to bring on the show for you guys right now. So, Let's bring them in one by one, as I always uh, do. First and foremost, my guy Adam Newsom from Newsom MMA and MMA Play 365. This is legitimately my first friend on MMA Twitter. We have a little bit of a business venture together with the Tape Index, uh, but literally the first guy that I think I started DMing with when I started this whole MMA locker. Then I think, Adam, what's going on? I appreciate you staying up till 2 a.m. to do this, first and foremost. How's it going, buddy? Yeah, it's good. 2 a.m. in the morning, but. Like I say, it's uh, it's all good, man. I, I apologize, I couldn't get on last time, you know. Um, duty called with the car needing to be serviced at like 8.30 a.m. So I, I just, I couldn't do it, man. I think it was a pay-per-view that night as well. So um, yeah, appreciate you having me on as always. Uh, looking forward to breaking down some fights. Even though we've lost a couple of fights, a couple of good fights, especially the main events, bummed me out a lot. But I, I think this card's going to be fun, man. Like style stylistic from a stylistic perspective i think we've got some good fights in our hands so yeah i'm looking forward to getting into it breaking down some fights for sure for sure i did want you on the first ever episode just because of the bond that we have and how good of friends that we are but like you said duty cause it's all good glad to have you around at least for this one next up we got my guy aj sholo you guys obviously know him from mma Oddsbreaker. he's obviously doing work with uh brett apley as well for daily fan mma i think he's taking care of the bellator side of things over there and we have a bellator card on right now i'm sure most of us are watching it on in the background as are we but the main focus is ufc vegas 26 aj thank you for joining us uh how are you going? How do you feel about this upcoming card? Uh, and uh, how are you feeling about the stream tonight? Oh, I feel great, man, about everything. Thank you for having me on. It's a pleasure to chop it up with you as always, as well as Newsom and Peter as well. Uh, great guys. You guys are super sharp, super, um, you know, just kind in, to everybody in the community. And we I know I speak on behalf of MMA Twitter when we appreciate appreciate each and every single person, even people in the comments, people tuning in, we wouldn't be able to do this without you guys. So it's a blessing to, to get on, chop it up with you guys, watch Bellator in the background and then talk about this UFC card. Yeah, people keep banging on me for the the time slot of this, considering it keeps going up against Bellator or PFL or something like that. But I can't help it. Like, this is a hot time spot, as you guys will see from the live viewers that we're able to actually get. And the timing is perfect, right? We had the weigh-ins this morning. We have the evening to chop it up. And then tomorrow, obviously, are the fights. So I'll bring in my uh, last guest as well here. We got my man Peter, a.k.a. Notorious Picks. Same with Newsom, one of the first ever guys I started chopping it up with on MMA Twitter. We had our infamous Twitter group, the, the Dagestani Born Rush. Just because we had such a fascination with those guys, uh, my fellow DBR brother, how's it going? Yeah, man, I'm super excited to be doing this, man. Yeah, we we go back like you said, and we had that awesome group, man. And uh, yeah, I'm super excited about tomorrow and you know Bellator tonight as well. 
for sure i was hoping that we could have rounded out this crew with mma vegas pete but i know he's doing his own thing over there right now he probably doesn't pay as much attention to ufc but maybe we can uh ring him around and hopefully get him back in the future and we can do a dbr episode or maybe headlined by a, a russian and we'll, we'll probably break it down and probably be on all their nuts anyway um yeah so we are here for ufc vegas 25 i do want to remind you or 26 i should say i do want to remind you guys hit that like hit that subscribe again we always do this uh different cast every single week but i promise you guys every single one of these guys that i bring on are sharp you may not have heard of them or you have but i promise you're going to want to hear their takes because they have some very solid takes all right let's not waste too much more time i know my man newsome over there is pounding that coffee just so that he can stay alive for the stream let's get on to the first fight we got christian aguilera versus carlston harris carlston harris coming in as the ufc debutante as a minus 155 favorite plus 145 on christian aguilera i'll kick things off for you guys real quick uh carlston harris obviously was wowing dana white on the looking for a fight show uh when they were over there in abu dhabi uh i believe that was the co-promotion where they had uae warriors and efc which is also khabib's uh uh, uh, promotion, if I'm not mistaken. And if I'm not mistaken, they were trying to showcase the guy that Carlson Harris was going up against. And Carlson Harrison puts, puts him out with a beautiful darts choke and just immediately runs over to Dana White, sign me up. And that's exactly what he did. So good on Carlson Harris to make good on that. But he has some decent wins on his uh, regional record too, right? He's turned away Wellington Terman. He's also turned away Michelle Pereira. But now is the time to shine. You're on the big stage. You're in the UFC. It's your time to actually go out there and make a, make a statement. And luckily for him, I think they've asked him pretty well the last time i tried to fade christian aguilera was against with uh anthony ivy that obviously didn't work out that well 59 seconds the guy gets knocked out i thought he'd be able to go in there and give the same type of game plan that we're going to be seeing from carlston harris here and i feel slightly safer with harris right i th i think he's better in the striking realm than anthony ivy i think he's a little bit more aware aware in the striking realm and even though he's more of a pot starter to eventually set up that takedown or that clinch position i think he'll be able to evade the big shots from uh, christian aguilera get this fight to the ground and i'm kind of stumped between whether he's going to get the submission or he's going to get the decision but even at a money line i think he's a solid spot here at minus 155 minus 160 depending on how you cap him so personally i'm taking carlson harris to get a w in his debut newsome how are you seeing this fight go down yeah i, I like carlson harris you know I, I didn't know too much about him before um before i watched the tape and looked into him but he, he's a grinder and he's also got a good mix between uh between the grind and the striking i think his striking could definitely be uh you, you know there's, there's there's room for development there with the striking but man he hits hard he's knocked a couple of fighters out cold and um, reminds me a lot of alan patrick in a way not maybe as good in the wrestling bit better in the striking but you know he, he does remind me of that type of fighter and listen he's grinded out fighters before over five rounds which is important i think barring any sort of um ufc debut jitters or maybe just being off on the night or anything like that i think he should get the job done but one thing just to quickly mention in regards to christian aguilera is you go back and watch that brady fight yeah brady ended up uh, finding out the path of least resistance with the takedowns and eventually got him out of there but prior to that aguilera's striking didn't look too bad you know he was going toe to toe with brady was landing low kicks heavy low kicks that's something that harris has got to watch out for in this fight but he was landing good combinations he hits hard as well so i do think that harris has got to be aware of that in the early stages in this fight but i think if things get a little bit too heavy and even if they don't i just think harris will take this opportunity on his ufc debut close the distance get a hold of aguilera push him up against the cage and from then you can either just grind on him or take him down and try and work on the map but i do think aguilera is 
going to have a little bit of success on their feet for as long as they're out in distance that space. But I think Harris will close the distance regardless. And yeah, I, I, I see him getting the job done. Yeah, as long as Harris's chin doesn't fail him here, this feels like something that he should be able to handle whatever Aguilar brings on the feet and hopefully end up dragging this fight to the ground. They both look great on the scales. I thought Christian Aguilar looked the greatest he's ever looked on the scales in the UFC. AJ, did you take anything away from the win specifically? And then ultimately, how do you see this fight going down? Uh, not as it pertains to this fight. I just more so think the stylistic... Uh, matchup is more compelling than than say the weigh-ins maybe and well really in general but um, I think it's just much more compelling here just because there's not a whole lot to take away but as it pertains to the matchup Harris uh, like Newsom said he made a very good comparison with Alain Patrick and it's it's a good thing and kind of a bad thing right because Patrick when he's able to implement that wrestling game get the clinch get fighters down he's very physical in top position very good with the guard passes as is Harris. I do think Harris is a bit better of a submission threat than Patrick, uh, specifically from the front headlock position. Uh, he's in a headed arm choke uh, threat from mounts. Um, and that's what he wants to do. He wants to stalk the opposition, get the clinch, and take them down from body locks. And then again, he looks to impose his submission grappling. Um, the issue that I think he'll maybe have in this matchup in terms of the striking exchanges, I do think, as you guys touched on, Aguilar is a bit more polished of a striker. The thing that makes me nervous for Aguilar and why Harris is kind of live He's pretty long and rangy, but also Aguilar has been rocked a bunch of times. He's been finished via strikes uh, more than once on the regional scene. Even in uh, his most recent regional decision loss, he was rocked in. Um, but I do think that when I watch these, these guys fight from the eye test, I do think that Aguilar is a better technical striker. He does utilize low kicks. And we have seen uh, Harris stand very heavy on that lead leg. I do think that uh, Aguilar rather, could have success chopping at it. Uh, but what it really boils down to me is just, can Aguilera stop the takedowns? And we've seen it not just in the Sean, Sean Brady fight. A lot of us are very high on him. But even going back to the regional scene, I've seen Aguilera taking down with ease and LFA get his back taken multiple times. I mean, he is a BJJ brown belt in the 10th planet system. I'd say his submission defense is adequate, but uh, in terms of like fighting hands, things like that, but he still gets his back taken a bunch, which makes me nervous in this matchup. So I do think that the underdog here is live in Aguilera in the sense that um, he's, you know, He's a solid striker. If his durability holds up, he could win the fight there. Uh, maybe he could give Harris a bit of resistance in the grappling. But ultimately, I do think that Harris is the, the, the better grappler, the better wrestler. He should be able to get the clinch, get the body lock takedowns, pass the guard, and work for a submission. Shout out to Aguilera for even taking this type of matchup. It's almost a, a lose-lose situation for him, right? Whether he wins, he beats a debutante. Uh, if he loses... He loses, and he's on. The, he's close to getting on the chopping block. That would be two straight losses for him in a row. NP, how are you seeing this one go down? Yeah, initially when I was looking at the line, I saw all the action coming in on the uh, Carlson Harris, and I thought maybe Aguilera being the guy that's already you know had fights in the UFC, maybe he could be live. And watching the Sean Brady fight, I would say on the feet he looked pretty good. You know, like I I wouldn't say that Sean Brady was um, you know that much better, but. As soon as Sean Brady was able to get the takedowns, I just didn't like what I saw from Aguilera. I don't like the way – I don't see him having the urgency to get up. I don't like the what I see in general from him. And Carlson Harris, uh, I do enjoy his grappling. So I think there's the, – the biggest um, edge and skills is the grappling here. But the fight starts on the feet, right? So – and it will be important for Harris to be able to close that distance. And like Newsom said, Newsom said uh, he compared to uh, Alan Patrick. I can see some of that. I think he's kind of, you know, has that awkward style, you know, the way he moves on the feet. And he likes to be a distance. Uh, he doesn't just stay in the pocket. And I think uh, that's where Aguilera's biggest strength is, is in the pocket with his hands. But at the same time, he does have the durability issue. So he could get rocked himself. So event, I think my pick here would be uh, Carlson Harris. 
and I think he's going to get it done by submission. No. Nice. A little bit more aggressive than I think he's going to be, but I, I could definitely see it too. There are the the deficiencies that I see on Aguilera, especially when the fight does hit the mat. All right, let's move on to the next fight. Here we got to Tafan Chukwi versus Junyoung Park. Tafan Chukwi was one of the last guys to actually step on the scale. Personally, I didn't think he looked the greatest. Newsom, I'll let you kick this breakdown off. How did you think he looked on the scales this morning, and uh, how do you think this fight goes down? Well, in regards to the scales, I think considering how big this guy is and how much weight he cuts. Yeah. Um, I think it's impressive, but I, I don't take too much from the Waynes, if I'm being honest. I think um, I think when he walks out tomorrow night and you look at the size, I mean, if, you, if you put that side by side with the fighter that steps on the scales, I think I think you'll you'll think you'll be looking at two different fighters. But um, yeah, you know, Jung Young Park, I, I love the fact that he's put a lot of stock into his wrestling. Um, I do think that the John Phillips, I mean, John Phillips notoriously just isn't great with his takedown defense i think his statistic is seven percent of takedowns he defends which is you know as you guys know is ridiculously low so i'm not sure how much stock you can put into that takedown offense off park and you know this will be a good test i've heard people mention that uh chuck has got um a judo background I, i've not you know i've not seen anything like that i'm not saying that information's wrong what i do know is that he has been in the ibjjf uh, Pan, Pan Am's tournaments as a blue belt and done well there. So the the dude, as much of a striker and a powerhouse as he is, I do think that he's got the ability to get back up to his feet if he is taken down. You look at his last fight against Jamie Pickett, and I know Pickett isn't a wrestler. He managed to get him down. Chukwe managed to get back up to his feet relatively quickly. But I like Chukwe in this fight. I think he's a really calculated striker, and he's not the fastest striker. And I don't even think he's the most athletic striker as well, but he's really calculated. He's calm. He doesn't really waste many strikes. And you look at how many strikes he output in his last fight against Pickett, and it was 100-plus strikes over the three rounds. So for a guy that big, his cardio held up, he's got power. He does love that combination with his hands and then throwing the left head kick afterwards to try and catch them. He will miss that quite a lot because it is a bit telegraphed, but it only needs one of them to land. Um, I I personally think that Park is going to shoot for takedowns. I think the physicality um, of Chukwe is going to help him here. I think if he's taken down, his experience in uh, BJJ is going to help him get back up to his feet. And I just purely think that he's going to out-volume Jung Young Park. And the other thing to mention really quickly as well is for Jung Young Park to really get his game going here because he's a decent striker himself. He's quick in and out of the pocket. He doesn't really sit down on punches, but... He has to be going forward to get his game going, whether that be sliding in into the boxing range to land a combination or whether he just wants to push forward and shoot takedowns. He's got to be moving forwards to do that. And the thing is, when fighters are going to be moving forwards against Chuck Way, I think Chuck Way is just going to be a bit of a brick wall there. Again, I go back to that physicality. I think he's going to land some hard shots. And the fighter who is the aggressor for the majority of the fight in this fight is going to win the fight, in my opinion. And I think that the fights are moving forwards more often than not. It's going to be Chukwe. So, yeah, my, my pick is uh, tough on Chukwe to win. I like it. The guy's a beast. He's only 5-0, and oh, but he's, uh, he's only 26 as well. So that's something that we need to take into consideration when breaking this guy's fights down. AJ, how are you seeing this one go down? So before I dived into this matchup on tape, I just initially thought like, oh, and Chukwe at minus 150 or whatever striker versus striker matchup in theory he's a better striker he's more credentialed but then you just look into it a little bit more 
Um, and I do think it, there's something to these guys. I mean, Newsom mentioned he's got other martial arts backgrounds, uh, kickboxing experience, but he's only been fighting MMA since 2019. So he's still very, very green at this point, only five and zero. Oh. for as high as we are on him as, you know, as a prospect, his future, um, I still would like to see him tested a bit more uh, specifically in terms of like his takedown defense. Uh, just like to see him go three rounds more often. That last fight that he had against Pick Pickett was a pleasant surprise because as Newsom pointed out, he did land a lot of volume per UFC, UFCstats.com, 120 significant strikes. And he is, you know, pretty flat-footed and plotting and striking exchanges, which makes me a bit nervous. He also uh, doesn't have the best head movements. Um, I think he relies a little bit too much on his chin for my liking. And um, I'd like to see his defense defense kind of improve long-term. His, his chin is shown to be solid, but uh, he did look to be hurt briefly twice on that contender series. Uh, also, Pickett was able to unload on a long combination on him, able to land on that with frequency. Um, so I am I would like to see these things kind of addressed, and I do think he could get there because offensively he's a powerhouse of a striker. Switch stances, he's dangerous in the clinch. Uh, he's the more varied striker here relative to Park. I think he's got better combinations. Um, he's got a four-inch reach here. I think he's got more power. Uh, but Park, as you guys touched on, he's alive. He's live in a striking battle here. He's a good technical striker himself. He could counter proficiently. He's got a hard low kick. Uh, he's got serviceable footwork, combination striking as well. And I do think he will try and, and grapple here. Um, and I admire Park's willingness to go to that more often in these two most recent fights, land takedowns in volume, uh, you know, earn top control. But as you guys pointed out, Ninchukwi is so big and physical. He's going to be two inches taller here. He's just going to have the bigger frame. Um, and I do think that most likely we get a striker's battle here where Njukwi is better variety, better technique, better combinations, higher pace, more compelling powers can win him down the stretch. So like the previous matchup, I do consider uh, Park a live underdog just based on the fact that he's much more tested than fighting MMA for so much longer. And he does have a legitimate chance to grapple here. We did see Njukwi taken down briefly in that UC debut by Pickett. Uh, maybe his takedown defense is a little bit uh, shaky. Uh, would like to see it test a little bit more. So uh, hesitant pick is going to be on the, the uh, Tafan and Chukwi side. Yeah, the the one big thing for Tafan especially has been his four straight knockout wins to start off his pro MMA career. Park has never been knocked out. Uh, he's only been finished twice and both have been by submission, one by Anthony Hernandez and one uh, earlier in his career by UFC newcomer, Mr. Shavkat Rachmanov. Uh, Notorious, how are you seeing this fight go down? Do you think he has the ability to knock out Park, give him his first knockout loss, or do you think this goes the full 15? Um, I lean, uh, this going, uh, further than, uh, you know, quick knockout. Um, one thing that I want to mention, I think Park has a staph infection on his chest. I think I've seen someone post a picture on MMA Twitter. It might be a uh, diehard MMA that posted a picture. Yeah, can I, jump in there? I actually spotted that it was like a plaster on his chest and I, I didn't know whether he had some sort of, um, maybe injection or, uh, whether he, he was trying to cover up his staff, but yeah, I know he starts well, man. Yeah, yeah, I saw I saw a picture a day or two ago. I think it was Die Hard MMA that posted it that he was on the treadmill or something, and there was a, I think it was a staff infection. I mean, it looked like it, you know. And then he covered it up, like you said, at the weigh-in. So I I kind of um, question what his condition coming into uh, you know the fight is because I think the way to beat Tafon is to take him into deeper waters, you know. But if uh, Park is compromised and his cardio is not up to par, then he might not be able to do that. But one thing I do like about Park, I think he is going to be the faster guy on the feet. He has a pretty good jab. So I think his footwork is better. But then the physicality edge that Tafone has is pretty big. And, you know, if Park is compromised, like I'm saying, that I don't really want to uh, lay any money on Park there. But if Park is able to um, kind of dictate the pace and rhythm of this fight, 
then it, it could get interesting because uh, Jamie Pickett, I man, he just allowed Tafon to do whatever he wanted. You know, pretty much uh, one time that uh, Jamie Pickett actually went forward with a three-four punch combination, he was able to land. And uh, I don't know if he really hurt him, but it looked like Tafon was um, questioning, like, what should I do here? You know what I mean? But then uh, Jamie Pickett didn't really do anything afterwards. So, and then uh, in the third round, then um, Tafon was able to land that. Um, uh, he almost knocked him out. So, um, so the guy is not just a round one and bust. And uh, so my pick here is going to be Tafon. But if he's, um, if Park is uh, not compromised by that staph infection, he could get uh, this, uh, he could make this interesting. So that's, that's my breakdown, I guess. It looks like we saw MVP just knock the fuck out. Well, not knock out, but landed perfectly placed head kick on Derek Anderson, oh. Anderson and put him out. Um, it, it was interesting, though, because it seemed like Derek Anderson was trying to play the game as well, and he falls right into a head kick. Uh, it looks like he broke his nose. Bad cut on his nose as well, too. So good win for uh, MVP there. I thought Derek Anderson would be able to actually make it all the way through to the 15 minutes. It didn't work out that way. In terms of... Go ahead. Yeah, sorry, I'll I tell you what, when uh, I was out in Poland with uh, KSW with a fighter that uh, was training in Germany with, with MVP, and uh, we had a good conversation about him, and he, the, the stuff that he was telling me, uh, this is this is coming from another top-level fighter, by the way, he's just absolutely schooling people in the gym, and the word he used is elite, and the fact that he actually touched upon about a lot of people giving shit and stuff on social media and, and things like that and say he's a bit of a can crushable. Apparently, this guy, you know, MVP is supposed to be absolutely legit. I, <laughs> I like him. I, I definitely like what he brings to the table, and he's actually having good competition. AJ, you're going to interject as well? Uh, him versus Lawrence Larkin next? I'm down. Let's do it. I, mean, I like it. Underwhelming performance from Larkin uh, this uh, earlier today, but still, in, in terms of name value, I don't mind that fight for sure. All right, uh, let's get back on track here with Tafan and Chukwe and uh, Junior Park. I'll give you guys my quick take here. In terms of the staff infection, I do have somebody that's kind of uh, in that camp and, and knows a little bit about what's going on there. Apparently, it's not staff. That's what they say. Who knows what it actually is? Maybe they're just trying to cover it up. But from the person that I know, they're telling me that it's not Steph. So I'm going to trust this guy because he is pretty bang on with his information. In regards to how this match goes down, though, I think Park is quite live here. I agree with AJ that I think that Park does have some winning uh, conditions in this fight. I do need to see a little bit from a, uh, from Tafan in terms of taking fights deeper into you know the rounds. Obviously, his last fight against Jamie Pickett, he's able to set the pace, get the fight going his way. Jamie Pickett didn't really seem too enthused in terms of taking the fight into his own hands and start setting the pace himself. He was just letting Tafan pretty much do it. And I'm not saying that it's easy to just set the pace against a hard hitter like Tafan and Chukwi, but I still think that uh, we, we didn't see the best resistance against a guy like uh, Chukwi. However, I think we're going to get that here with Park, and I think he's like just on the cusp of a guy that I would want to fade uh, Tafan and Chukwi with. Even after Chukwi won his fight on the uh, Contender Series, one of the first things I tweeted out was, I can't wait in the future as i do believe he still has some holes in the side of his game now his striking looks great right like great powerful techniques uh good combinations good forward movement uh but i still question his cardio a little bit he looked good obviously in the third round against jamie pickett but i don't believe he had the greatest amount of resistance in that fight which allowed him to kind of set his own pace and let him be comfortable in that fight here against park i feel like he's going to be, be dealing with some more resistance like uh, i believe uh, notorious and aj were talking about great uh low leg kicks i think that's going to be very important for him here to establish nice and early because 
because then he can start to set his pace, get his hands going. Great jab as well, too. If he can stay on top of that, that might start to bust up Tafan and start to get him to start questioning things. But if Park gives up that back foot immediately and we see Tafan start to implement his game and start to implement his dominance, then yeah, it's probably going to go look a little bit tough for Park. I do believe Park will secure takedowns in this fight. Does he keep him down? I'm not 100% sure. Uh, but I don't think it's going to be early. He's going to have to get through that hell fire at the beginning of this fight. And then once he starts setting his pace, once he starts to uh, suck out the wind a little bit more of uh, Chukwe, I think we'll see him actually start to you know be successful in terms of pushing him up against the cage, kind of wearing him out there, and then eventually dragging him to the ground uh, from that aspect. I'm not saying that he you know him getting 13 minutes of control time against john phillips is the reason he's going to end up winning this fight but it's good to see that him going out there and doing what he needs to do and he does it to a t that's why he's able to secure 13 minutes of uh, uh, control time against a guy like john phillips even the mark andre barrio fight Personally, I think that's a tougher fight considering that uh, Barrio has more tools in the shed and we've seen him go 15 minutes before. Whereas Tafan, we've only seen him go 15 minutes against the guy and Jimmy Pickett. Personally, I don't even think deserves to be in the UFC. So uh, Park, I think he is one of those lower to middle guys that could test Tafan this weekend, uh, tomorrow night. Uh, and, and I think he can pull it off, man. I, I'm going to pick him as my prediction here. I think he goes out there, grinds out Tafan over 15 minutes and wins a decision in this spot. All right, let's move on to the next fight here. We got uh, Mike Trezano against the David Klein. The David Klein coming in as the biggest favorite on the card at minus 245. I think Donald Cowboy Strony was inching closer to that, but Klein is still the biggest favorite. Plus 205 the return on Mike Trezano. AJ, you think we get a big upset here tomorrow night with Trezano, or do you think Klein coasts as most people think he's going to? I know you're on Trezano, man, and I wish you all the best, but I do uh, have to stay true to my word here, and I do think that Klein... Uh, comes through as a big favorite there's always that hesitation with like is this guy overrated coming into the ufc with like a quick knockout of course we had to go back and watch his regional footage just to see more layers to this guy's game and as we could tell very good technical striker he operates out of the southpaw stance he's got very good countering ability fast hands he's varied he's got a front kick a low kick a high kick good range management he's mainly a single shot striker i think because he wants to manage range and avoid returning counters he's also very light on his feet hard kicks as we saw in that UFC debut. And Manpreet, I know, I know that you're high in the Sanford MMA camp and he <laughs> trains there. So um, I know you like that. So it might be a little conflicting going with Trezano. But anyway, like the thing that sticks out to me is I think in all likelihood, it's going to be a, a fight that's won or lost standing, right? I mean, Trezano, we have seen him grapple a bit in the past, but he's mainly a striker. Um, he's, he himself has struggled with defensive grappling Trezano as well. We've seen him taken down in the UFC a bunch of times by Joe Gianetti, even on the Ultimate Fighter by John Gunther, uh, Grant Dawson a bunch of times, got back mounted there, got back mounted by Luis Pena. So in this time off, I'm sure Trezano is getting better. He trains at Tiger Showman with guys like Shane Burgos and uh, Julio Arce and whatnot, and um, he's now 29. So I wouldn't be surprised to see Trezano look better, but has he closed that gap between him and, and also young and a much more active Ludaville Klein? I just think that in a fight that's going to be won or lost standing, even though I do think Trezano's uh, stand-up is serviceable, he's an orthodox striker, low kicks, counters well, frequent jabs, solid boxing combos. He's got a right hand, and he's got good overall head movement. We also know he's very durable. He's never been knocked out. Um, but I just do favor Klein here. I got to favor the, the, the striker in a fight that is likely to be won or lost standing, the striker that is more technical, more varied, hits harder, and is from an activity standpoint in terms of actually fighting the number of bouts that he's had, um, I think that plays in his favor as well. So official prediction is going to be Ludovic Klein, uh, Ludovic Klein, excuse me. Uh, but I do think Trezano is a stiff test for him. 
All right. Uh, when I, I was actually kind of surprised when these guys stared down at the Wayans, I thought uh, we'd get a little bit higher of a or bigger height from uh, Mr. Mike Trezano here. I think he was listening at 5'11 and Klein at 5'11 or 5'7, and it didn't seem like that at all. They seemed like they were pretty much the same height. Uh, Notorious, how are you seeing this fight go down? Yeah. Uh, so AJ mentioned a lot of, um, you know, things that are for Klein here, you know, his activity and uh, he is a very good striker. I think his distance management is very good. Um, I was actually uh, – I bet him against Shane Young by KO and because I thought that was a perfect stylistic matchup for him, and, you know, he proved me right. Uh, Trezano is not Shane Young, though. Like, he's not uh, a punching bag. I think he's going to be a, a lot trickier, um, and I think we might see sort of a low-volume sort of fight. And in a low-volume uh, fight, I'll take plus 227 on the guy – who has more experience in the UFC, I know he has a long layoff, and it is concerning because he had a couple injuries. It wasn't just, um, you know, like USADA layoff, you know, so it was injuries. But still, man, it, it doesn't make sense to me why Trezano is the biggest underdog on the card. I think there are some people that should be bigger underdogs than him. So uh, if Klein wins, um, I wouldn't be surprised, but, you know, I'm going to take my shot on plus 227. And I think Trezano could make it close. I think uh, he could potentially get some takedowns. I do expect it to be more on the feet. But Trezano is no slouch, man. He's got good hands, you know. He has some good kicks as well. Um, he has to watch out for the counters of Klein because Klein, I think, is a very good counter striker. So, but I, I doubt that Klein's going to finish him. And if he doesn't finish him, I can see um, – Trezano having potentially a cardio edge here. So, um, and yeah, so I like my plus 227 and yeah, I had to take a shot. Uh, earlier in the week, I was kind of pounding the drum that I thought that people were just buying into the recency bias of Klein, especially the way that he was able to knock out Shane Young in his UFC debut. But let's give it up to the guy, right? He is talented. He's 17-2. He has a legitimate record. He was fighting some decent competition over there on the European scene. Uh, but I do think that Trezano is slightly being overlooked here. Now, I'm not saying that Trezano deserves to be the favorite at all, but I don't think that Trezano deserves to be a plus 200, plus 220 underdog. Uh, I think he is going to make it close, like uh, NP was saying. I do think it's going to be a closer fight. I don't mind his output. Um, I, I could see him slowing it down if Klein doesn't land his big impactful shots not saying that he needs to knock out uh, Trezano to win this fight but if he is, starts whiffing on some of these shots and, and doesn't really find the target I think that Trezano could truly make it a, a much more difficult fight I think he's sparring much tougher competition in the in the K or in the gym uh, than he's going to be going up against with Klein here. But I do think that Klein does have some good upside. He does have some good potential. I'm not sure if that this is the fight that he's actually going to show it. Uh, and Trezano might go out there and, and surprise some people. Uh, I think that if uh, this fight does go to a decision, I think it's going to be close. I think that uh, I'd rather side with the plus 200 underdog in Trezano here. And I, again, I do think he has all the chops to go out there and make it a very competitive striking matchup. Um, the the layoff does slightly worry me. Obviously, that's something that I need to uh, address. Uh, but outside of that, you know, the, the, his only loss coming via submission to uh, to Grant Dawson in his last fight, and not to mention that's freaking Grant Dawson. Are we going to get that with Ludovic Klein? Probably not. I think that this will mainly be a stand up fight, and. Uh, I wonder who would be the first one to initiate the grappling. A part of me feels like it would be uh, Trezano, but I'm not sure if that's really the path that he wants to take here. Uh, I'm going to go with Trezano. Very close uh, decision. I think he takes it just by uh, slightly more volume, slightly uh, better uh, landing the better shots, uh, and, and just you know maybe pushing the pace a little bit more. Uh, but again, very very close fight. Newsom, wrap this one up for us. Are you on the are you on the underdog side here, or are you taking the the favorite? 
Well, I, I mentioned this on uh, on on my podcast on Beyond the Moneyline podcast by MMA Player Three Six Five. And listen, this this betting line is disgustingly wide um, to the point where it's very obvious what's happened in regards to to the recency bias on the line. You know, the books opened Klein as a plus money underdog against Shane Young. The public bet it all the way into a pick him. It ended up closing into uh, a moderate favourite for Klein. Klein goes out there. He knocks Shane Young out in, in round one. The bookies realise that they've made a massive mistake on where they open the betting line. And then they're overcompensating it now. They're overvaluing that win, in my opinion, bringing it into this fight. And, I, you know, no disrespect to Shane Young, but I'm, I'm not massively high on Young, you know, at all. I, I did pick Klein to win that fight, and I just feel that the bookies have overcompensated it, they've overvalued it, and that's the reason why we're getting this line. Now, when you look at style versus style, you go back and look at Klein's record. Sure, he's fought some decent guys on the regional scene, 17-2 and two record, if I'm not mistaken. But if you look at, you know, over 50% of Klein's wins, particularly, the, you know, the earlier wins, are fighters that just aren't even close to the level of, of what he's at and where Trezano's at. And therefore, you you know, you're looking at a record now, he could possibly be 8-2, 9-2 legit record, which is roughly around where Trezano is himself. And when you look at it style versus style, I do think it's going to be won and lost on the feet. The other thing to mention as well from the regional fights is we haven't really seen Klein tested, really pushed, really pressed to the point of, and I'm talking recently, you know, within this win streak that he's on, and we haven't really seen him really pressed backwards, forced, you know, against a fighter that, that is skilled on the feet. It's all been Klein moving forward, Klein allowed to get his combinations going. And it was the same thing with Shane Young as well. It was Klein moving forward. So, listen, if Trezano's on the back foot and he allows Klein to do that, then it is probably going to be bad news for Trezano. But the other thing to mention in regards to the combinations with Klein, I just don't think he's, I don't think he mixes things up enough in regards to different combinations. It's the same thing from the southpaw stance. It's the one-two stepping kick, left head kick, which is the kick that knocks everybody out. So I do feel that against another skilled fighter in the UFC, that that can be telegraphed a little bit and they should be able to get decent reads on it. I think Trezano is, like I say, I think he's being disrespected on the betting line. I think he's a good fighter. As you've already said as well, Manpre. He's training and sparring heavily with better fighters than Klein in regards to Shane Burgos, Jimmy Rivera, Julio Arce, Lyman Good, all those good guys at, at Tiger Shulman's. So I personally think that this fight could could potentially be close if it goes to the distance. I think Trezano is going to prove to be a bigger test than what Klein has faced ever in his in his MMA career. And, you know, the fact that Trezano is a plus two, you know, did you say NP 227? Uh, yeah, it was all the way to plus two thirty at some point. Yeah, yeah, it's it, it's crazy for me in my opinion. I, I'm I'm going to side with the underdog in Trezano. It could be close. You know, Trezano might even once he starts pushing Klein back and Klein's really getting tested in there, he, he could potentially start to look good as well. So yeah, I I think the line's massively off, disgustingly off. Um, and if it is close, as you've already said as well, Manpre, you want to be siding with that. Uh, that plus two twenty-seven underdog. So yeah, I'm on Trezano as well. Uh, NP, go ahead. Yeah, one thing I wanted to add: um, uh, bookies opened Klein uh, minus one fifty and Trezano plus one twenty. I think it's the public that wow. you know completely okay. 
just swayed it all the way to plus 200 and such. So Can I just quickly add something as well? Just something I forgot. You know, we, we've all mentioned the injuries here as well. I actually watched uh, an interview with Trezano and he was talking about how his knee has been messed up since I think it was his second fight in The Ultimate Fighter. So he's actually been fighting from then up until now pretty much on one leg. And he said that obviously once he'd had the double surgery and now he's fully healed, the fact that he's able to strike with four limbs opposed to three, he said it was just a crazy feeling. So, you know, I feel that everything we've seen from Trezano up to this point could... So I, I get the worries. I get the worries with the injury and the surgery, you know. It's always, especially with the knees, it's always a worrying thing. But if it's true what he's saying, and you do have to take interviews with a pinch of salt, I understand that. But if it's true what he's saying and he fully feels like he can strike with four limbs and he's never been able to do that since at least his second fight until then I think we're going to see an improved version of him as well. This is a great fight for him to take his four limbs for a test drive and he's definitely going to be pushed so hopefully he can go out there and actually get the dub uh, as a big underdog. All right, let's move on to the prelim headliner and yeah, we're already at the prelim headliner considering we lost two fights earlier today. Uh, this one I'm very much looking forward to and I can't wait to hear you guys' thoughts. We got Phil Hawes coming in against Kyle Dawkins in terms of odds. We're talking about minus 130 for Kyle Dawkins. Uh, he's gone from like minus 140 to minus 155 down to minus 120. Now he seems to be settling up at minus 130. Obviously the return on Phil Hawes here at plus 110. Uh, Notorious, I'll let you uh, kick this one off, buddy. Yeah, so um, I think this fight uh, is a very interesting one because um, I used to kind of pre-tape um, doubt Kyle Dawkins a little bit. And then uh, I went into the tape, and what impressed me the most is the guy is super, super tough. You know, he can absorb a lot of punishment, and he can he's game, man. He's going to be there till the last minute of the fight. And with Phil Haas, man, what concerns me is his durability and his cardio, man. So th that's a bad combination. And, uh, I mean, he was doing stanky leg a few times against Imovov, you know. And the reason why he won is because he was able to press him against the fence, get takedowns. And Imovov is not the Dagestani-born Russian, man. He is a striker, you know. He couldn't get up. He couldn't really, you know, he couldn't – he didn't know what to do there, you know. And Phil Haas, I mean, give him some credit, you know. He was able to find those takedowns at the perfect time, you know. He has a good um, timing on those takedowns, but – Kyle Dawkins, man, ground is his world, you know. Against Brandon Allen, yes, uh, people might say, well, he did get dropped by Brandon Allen. And, yeah, I mean, I'm not going to say anything there. But on the ground, dude, he created scrambles. He took Brandon Allen's back. I mean, he landed a nasty elbow that cut uh, Brandon Allen. I mean, he gave Brandon Allen a tough, tough fight on the ground, which is Brandon Allen's, you know, world. So if Phil Haas does get a takedown, even if he wants to do that, I think Kyle Dawkins is, is very competent there. And um, this fight to me, um, I kind of want to bet it live because in the first round, I do have some questions about Kyle Dawkins' defense. And, I mean, Phil Haas, man, he throws bombs, man. So if he can land one of those, I don't know if Kyle Dawkins can come back, but maybe he can weather that storm. And in the second and third, I will give him a huge edge in cardio and toughness. And I can see him getting a finish in one of those rounds. So to me, um, I can get a better line live here. And that's what I'm going to wait for. But if I had to pick, you know, pre-fight, I'm going to say that Kyle Dawkins is going to win um, either in second or third round. Uh, in terms of KO or submission, it's hard to tell because uh, Phil Haas – he gets rocked, man, and uh, I would say Kyle Dawkins, I mean, yeah, he loves those submissions, but I wouldn't be surprised if he finds a KO too. So, 
that yeah that's my pick here yeah, this is a great fight either way, right? And uh, this is this is another fight uh, later on in this card that is a great live betting opportunity, especially after round one, because there's usually a big diminish, uh, diminished version of a fighter after round one. But Phil Hawes, obviously, same thing here, right? Like he's a he's a banshee in round one. Oh, it seems like we just lost NP. Hopefully, we get him right back in here. Um, but uh, in terms of this fight specifically, I, I think a lot of people. There he is. Uh, I think a lot of people um, are 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 thinking that Phil Hawes auto automatically for some reason has cardio. It seems like he has a good gas tank, and you got to give show me more than one fight, and especially against a better fighter. And I think a lot of people were thinking that they were going to get a different fighter in Imovov to go out there and exploit that gas tank uh, of Hawes. I'm sure everybody who was holding a, a an Imovov ticket that night, uh, as soon as that fight hit the second round, they're like, "Yes, we got this!" Right? There's no way Phil Hawes fucking survives another ten minutes of this shit. And he almost didn't survive, right? Like NP was talking about at the ending of that third round. He was getting torched up on the feet. But for some reason, anytime Phil Hawes closed the distance, Imovov just tied up with him and he was fine with those positions. I don't think we're going to get that here from Kyle Dawkins. Kyle Dawkins is a fucking warrior. The guy uh, is offensive pretty much from everywhere he is. Um, I truly think that this is going to play out similar to this. It's either Phil Hawes early KO here, or if he tries the same type of game plan that he did against Imovov, he's one, either going to get taken down or tripped by Kaldakis. Two, he's either going to get reversed or submitted off of his back because we know that uh, Kaldakis is very offensive from his back. You see him throwing triangles. You see him throwing up arm bars. You see him staying off the uh, pretty offensive off of his back. And he's a pretty good back taker as well. He does good work from that back position. If he gets... Phil Hawes back like he did against Brendan Allen for the majority of that third round. He's finding that choke. I, I guarantee he finds that choke or that arm, whatever it may be. I think he's going to be able to take out Phil Hawes in this fight. The spot that I like the most, though, is the under two and a half. Uh, that covers both finishes here, right? We can get an early Phil Hawes finish if Kyle Dawkins truly can be put out, just like Brendan Allen was able to drop him early in that fight with a beautiful knee. If Phil Hawes lands that big shot, you know, the under two and a half covers it. And then obviously, if this gets out of the first round, my my thoughts on Kyle Dawkins obviously go much higher. And I think he's going to give us much more resistance than what we saw from um, Mr. Uh, Imovov last time around. So, yeah, I think the people, the, the person that people were looking for in Imovov is what they're going to be getting here in Dawkins. Dawkins is a black belt himself. Again, very offensive off of his back, like I said. And I don't think he's going to get sucked into that lay and pray style that Phil Hawes was so successful with, even up against the cage, right? Like it seemed like Imovov had no idea what to do in, in terms of how to get out of those positions. I believe Kyle Dawkins knows how to get out of those positions, dig the underhook, make the, make the reversal, or just get a trip, try to end up on top. And he is pretty... He's pretty dead set on getting takedowns in most of his fights. He wants to get his jiu-jitsu going. And that Dustin Souls for his fight, uh, the commentators say, say it right off the bat. He wanted to take his hands out for a little bit of a trip and see if he actually made some improvements there. And I didn't mind what we saw from his hands. Obviously, I don't think he's on the level of his brother's Chris at this point in time, but I do think he is making improvements. And anytime Phil Hawes is on his back foot and he's not the one pushing the pace, the guy's striking defense is out the window. It's nowhere to be found. And I think that Kyle Dawkins has the power to put him on his butt and maybe club and sub him here take him down, ran some big shots on top. I think Hawes is still going to be absolutely gassed come the 6th, 7th, and 8th minutes of this fight, and we'll see Kyle Dawkins go out there and get the finish. So I think it's a bit of a... 
I think it's a bit of a gift from the odds makers for them to set the total here at two and a half and not one and a half. And I think people should take absolute advantage of it here. So I like me the under two and a half. But in terms of a pick, I'm going to go with Kyle Dawkins. And even if you want to go uh, fancy on the props here, right? Obviously, you can go Dawkins round two. You get plus 575. Dawkins round three plus 1075. It seems like it's been a hit as most people are pretty much in the know about what Phil Haas brings to the table. But I still think there's some decent value there. And then obviously, I think the most likely outcome is uh, Dawkins by submission at plus 270. I think there's some solid uh, value there as well. Uh, Newsom, am I am I talking out of my pants here? Uh, am I am I not giving Haas enough uh, credit? How do you see this fight going down? No, man. I, you know, I think between yourself and uh, an NP, you, you pretty much covered my breakdown, <laughs> to be honest. Uh, just like MP, I, I was guilty of uh, uh, under underrating Dorcas when he came into the UFC. Um, I'm, I'm, listen, I'm always open-minded. I'm always here for my mind to be changed. You know, just, just show me what I need to see. My mind will change. And, you know, that's what I feel with Dorcas. I don't think he's... Uh, I don't think he's uh, the fighter that might not be UFC caliber as what I thought he was when he came into the UFC. He's actually proven to be decent. The Brendan Allen fight was super impressive. Uh, again, like uh, NP said, that's, that's Brendan Allen's world. We we know he's good there. I mean, the guy's choked Kevin Holland out. Um, he's just uh, finished his, his last fight against Carl Roberson uh, with relative ease. That's the ground game is where he was good at him. You know, Dorcas was getting takedowns. More importantly, he was sweeping and reversing as well. In regards to being pressed up against the cage, Stoltz boost pressed him up against the cage. So even with Dorcas' back against the cage, he was scoring trips with his own back against the cage to get to the fight to the mat. So that's something that could definitely play a part here if, if Hawes just wants to try and stick to him and grind on him. I, I think that Dorcas can get trips from wherever he is in the clinch against the cage. So that's going to... And listen, if Dorcas gets on top of Hawes, that's a big problem. That's a huge <laughs> problem for Hawes. That's the last place he wants to be in in this fight. The big problem with Hawes is, uh, well, in regards to from Dorcas's concerns, is that first round, you know, if he lands a big bomb, does he knock him out? But again, you go back and watch the Brendan Allen fight, that knee that he landed on Dorcas was clean. It was hard and sure, he, you know, he was in trouble for a little bit, but he recovered and he actually, Dorcas finished that fight, the stronger fighter. So um, in regards to his boxing, we saw that. Uh, against Stoltzfus as well. That looks like it's improving. So I just feel that stylistically it's a difficult fight for Hawes because I don't think Hawes should be trying to take him down. I think that would be a bad game plan because he will get him down. Dorcas will definitely um, will definitely take that takedown and get put on his back. But And Dorcas is dangerous on the mat, as you've already mentioned, BJJ Black Belt. He'll be able to sweep, he'll be able to reverse, and then that would be in a world of trouble for Hawes. But then if Hawes stands striking with him, He's got a round in him to get it done. If he doesn't get it done in that round, the, the wrestling brain uh, will will just tick over for Hawes and he'll just constantly want to close that distance and grind against Dorcas. That'll drain his gas tank. And again, like like MB said, Hawes has got two big problems, cardio and chin. And I didn't, honestly, I didn't realise he had that much of a chin problem until that Imavov fight. But the dude was skating so bad and it wasn't as if it, it wasn't as if Oz was hit with a big punch and, and complete. They were like, oh, shit, why, how is he still standing? You know, I'm not saying there were tame strikes because I'm sure they put me on my ass, you know what I mean? <laughs> but but they, they, they weren't heavy, heavy strikes and he was skating. So I think he's got a cardio issue. I think he could potentially have a durability issue. Um, and I think if he doesn't get Dorcas out in round one, um, then he's probably going to lose the fight. 
and I do think that's a low percentage outcome. So the big stalkers here, um, and I think again, I think you said it, Manfred. I think uh, what people are expecting of Ian Mavov, they're probably going to see a Dorcas in this fight. Um, it's just Ian Mavov isn't that plus money like uh, a lot of people uh, took him out in that first in that last fight. So yeah, the big stalkers to win. Yeah, I think a lot of people, or at least Hawes was thinking uh, that he could kind of uh, lean on that takedown and kind of just use that time to just rest against Imovov. But here, he can't rest against Dawkins. He is going to get caught in something or he is going to get swept up. AJ, bring this one home. You, you on Dawkins too, or you think Hawes has some uh, credence here? I'll leave the trifecta for you guys. Um, <laughs> I actually, <laughs> I actually, that wouldn't be a trifecta anyway if I joined, right? But anyway, um, so a, a big betting philosophy that I like to implement, and again, I'm not saying that people have to do it or it's right or wrong, but I don't, as far as a betting perspective goes, I don't like to bet fighters that have really shaky cardio and very questionable durability. You guys hit the nail on the absolute head with Hawes. Those are two things that we've seen more than once on the Contender Series fight after round one against Marquez. He absolutely fell apart. Uh, even against Imovov, he absolutely fell apart after that seven and a half minute mark, but was able to win the fight because of clinch control, because of takedowns from top control on the ground. And so if he doesn't have those sort of breaks in a given fight, if he faces a fighter that is a solid wrestler, and can match his physicality, like like an Ian Heinish type or somebody like that, I consider fading him if the price is right. Uh, the issue that I have with this matchup as it pertains to the Dawkins side is I just, I don't think, at least in the first five minutes, that he's going to be able to compete uh, from an athleticism and physicality standpoint. Pause. Uh, I saw Dawkins, I know you guys saw the same th thing too, on the Contender Series, controlled in the clinch by a much smaller fighter, uh, the opponent earned five minutes and seven seconds of control per ESPN.com uh, stat checking myself. Uh, but, and then Newsom, <laughs> and then Newsom also mentioned that the, the Stolzfist fight a bit. And I know that you guys pointed out, he got some trips in there, but I think especially while uh, Haas is fresh, it's going to be very tough for Dawkins to land those takedowns. Haas is the, the shorter fighter, the stronger fighter, the fighter that comes from the higher pedigree wrestling background, division one, junior national champion, uh, from Iowa. Um, and so that's kind of the matchup, right? It's like, can Hawes do enough while he's got some gas in the tank? Can his durability hold up enough for him to win at least two rounds and, again, avoid maybe like a 10-8 or a finish at round three? Um, it's a very, very um, hesitant prediction on my end, uh, especially because uh, not just in terms of like Hawes' cardio and durability, but just his pocket tendencies, chin is high. Um, and if you're a stats guy, 4.8 or excuse me, 4.18 significant strikes per minute. See, this is what I get with hanging out with Brett Apley. I get I get more stats, you know, and I love it. Um, so 47% striking defense. Um, and, and the reason why we see him tire out is because he just throws his strikes with such power, and it, he's just got such a muscular frame that just naturally tires out the oxygen tank as the fight goes on. Just all those mu muscles require all that oxygen, right? Um, and I still would say that he's fairly green. I, I do think that, like you guys said, Dawkins going 15 with Allen, going 15 with Stolzfus, I believe is how you pronounce his name. Yeah. That adds more uh, credibility in terms of like the experience for Dawkins. Um, the other thing is I'm not doubting Dawkins to knock him out, but he hasn't shown to be a huge power threat. He actually has zero wins by TKO KO. Um, you guys did mention he is a capable striker, and I agree with you guys. He could switch stances. He could feint. Nice one-two one -two combo. His, his boxing is crisp. He's also varied. And I also like how he controls the lead wrist of the opposition. We'll get to Neil Magny later. I like how he does that as well. But I, I consider this uh, close to a 50-50 fight. I agree with the odds makers having it that way. 
Uh, but I actually do side with Hawes here. I just I tend to side with the fighter that I think is better on paper. Uh, and even though I'm kind of contradicting myself in a way in terms of a betting perspective, not betting Hawes because of the cardio and durability, that's my rationale for not betting Hawes even at the underdog price. So as far as a pick goes, it's Hawes, but I don't want anything to do with this from a betting perspective. I'm hoping that we get some chaos in this fight because I, I'm very excited for it. We should definitely find out a lot about both fighters here. All right, let's move on to uh, the next fight here. And again, this is the main card now that we're going on to. Uh, just a reminder, make sure you guys hit that like and subscribe. That's always the best thing to do at this point in time. Next up, we do have Amanda Hibas going up against Angela Hill. And I think we got a live dog here. I believe it is my turn to kick things off. So I will do just that. We got minus 185 on Amanda Hibas plus 170 on Angela Hill. Um, I think if Angela Hill is able to keep this fight vertical, it's all her fight. I truly think that people are duped into thinking that Amanda Hibas has a legitimate striking game. I think that's wrong. And uh, only because like she truly has been tested outside of you know the, the, that one minute that Marina Rodriguez had her on the feet and she got clipped with a beautiful counter punch there. Now, a lot of people are just ragging on me thinking like, how could you let one punch change your total perception about Amanda Hibas? If you guys remember, I was one of the few people on Marina Rodriguez that night, as I believe that she had the chance to go out there and actually, you know, expose expose the striking of her, right? You can't convince me that you're a great striker by going out there and beating up Mackenzie Dern on the feet for 15 minutes pre-Jason Perillo. We knew that Mackenzie Dern needed to get the fight to the ground. Uh, she wasn't successful in doing so. Amanda Hibas is quite good in terms of keeping fights in her realm where she has the advantage like she did in the Paige Van Zandt fight, dragging that fight to the ground pretty much immediately, pulling off the submission. The Randa Marcos fight, you know, I think skill for skill, she's much better than her pretty much everywhere. And I think that... Um, and with uh with uh Mackenzie Dern, right? She kept the fight on the feet and she was able to go out there and actually get her striking going and, and looked good on the feet. Then she fought Marina Rodriguez and then got knocked out in the first round. Uh it seems like Newsom has a little bit of a reaction on his face. Did I miss something on Bellator? <laughs> yeah, that the uh the fight's just been stopped at it's on mute. Um but yeah, I think uh, I think the refs just stopped it for a cut on uh football. I think Peter oh wow is one I think like I say it's on mute but yeah, yeah the you know pitbull's not looking too happy the doctor sort of held the tissue up with all the blood on it like you know come on what do you want me to do so yeah big upset there if that's the case God damn. Yeah, no, I, I took a peek on it. I just saw a bloodbath uh, with them going into the corners. I'm not sure entirely who actually won, but we'll see. You guys can let me know as soon as I finish up my breakdown. But what I'm basically saying is that I do like Angela Hill here. I do think she'll, she is improving her takedown defense. She is improving her get-up game. I'm not completely sold on Amanda Hibas being, like, obviously she's a black belt. She's apparently a really good black belt, but I'm not sold that she's to the point that she's going to go out there and smash Angie Hill, who's making improvements on a fight-to-fight -fight basis here. Uh, I do think she'll be able to keep it vertical. I do think she'll be able to land a bigger, better strike and even though people want to go out there and call her pillow fisted in her striking you guys clearly haven't been watching her fights she's hurting these women she hurt as she hurt her to the body a couple of times uh dropped claudia gadelio with strikes in that first round uh she has some power in her hands for sure and i think that uh, amanda hibas doesn't really do the best in terms of reacting to getting hit and uh, especially getting hit by somebody that knows how to punch and she's getting exactly that here with uh, angie hill and one thing i do want to say uh, at the face-offs this morning i found it pretty interesting i thought that angie hill seemed like the slightly bigger fighter the slightly more uh, at least stronger fighter it's tough to say obviously just by looking at these fighters but it's it seemed like physically she was the bigger and stronger fighter and hopefully that is able to play into this fight in terms of her being able to keep this fight vertical and then we might get just desperation takedowns from Amanda Hebus, which will open up the striking a little bit more for Angela Hill so yeah I do like Hill 
Kind of surprised that she's back up to that plus 170. Uh, I'll spill beans right here. I do have a play on her at plus 160. I took that one unit poke on her here. And I did take a little bit of a sprinkle on the KO prop because you guys know I had to at plus 700 here. So I do like Angie Hill. I think she, the most likely outcome is she wins by decision, but I'm going to give a little bit of a sprinkle on that KO prop as I do think it is live. Newsome, talk me down. Am I too high on the Angie horse here? Or do you think that he boss uh, is not the, the real deal? No, no, I'm kind of with you, Ian. I'm, I'm not going to say that uh, Ebas isn't the real deal because I, I do think that she's uh, legitimately skilled. Um, but again, I just think the betting line's really off. And, you know, I, as you mentioned in regards to the striking, I think Angela Hill's going to be the better striker. Um, I think her movement's better in and out of the pocket. She can fight. Uh, she, her IQ in regards to the striking is really high level because she knows where... She knows where she's not as strong. So inside that boxing range, that's not where uh, Angela Hill wants to be hanging out. She wants to get in there. She wants to land a one-two or whatever it is and then slide right back out of range, stay out of range, stay on the outside, kick away in, punch away in, jab away in. And in regards to a striking, like I say, a striking's good. You go back and look at the uh, the Loma Lugboom me fight. And, you know, Lugboom is a, a legitimate striker with years and years of... Muay Thai competition, legit Muay Thai competition. And Angela Hill looked like the better striker there. So I think that Hill's going to be better than Ebas. The thing is for Ebas, she needs to get the takedowns in this fight. And yeah, sure, Angela Hill is improving the takedown defense, but I still think she can be got at in that area. So this is where I think the fight would get a little bit closer if Ebas does get these takedowns. And she's a good, legitimate BJJ Black Belt with a good top game as well. I mean, you know, we saw what happened when she was on top of Mackenzie Dern. Dern is absolutely, obviously, no slouch on the match. She's uh, the most credentialed women's MMA fighter, I, I think there is, in regards to Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu uh, credentials. So, Ebas was comfortable on the mat with Dern. She wasn't really in any problem, in, you know, in any trouble there. And she's got a good top game. So, if she can get Hill down... And I don't even think she would need two or three takedowns per round, maybe one or two at most. But I think that if she can get on top of Hill, then that could potentially be a round winner for her. That's where the fight gets a little bit closer. But Hill's movement and her speed is going to be a big factor in this fight. And that's what's leading me to edge over to the dog pick as well. The same as your man, Preet. You know, I think that the line's too wide. I think that Hill's got legitimate path to victory here i think she's significantly better in one area significantly enough that the line should be closer for that reason so i'm siding with the underdog in angela hill i like it i like it aj come on give me some more confidence here let me know that you you like angela hill who are you how are you uh seeing this fight you know i gotta be an honest man before i'm a nice fan you know that i uh <laughs> you know look I, I i agree hill is a live underdog here um i've had a lot of people asking about her and i totally get it i would be zero percent surprised if she comes out here and pulls off the upset i think it's totally fair as you guys pointed out to favor her as a striker uh she's just so much more experienced as a kickboxer like newsom said very loud on her feet constantly fainting uh throws combinations fights at a high pace uh, as you guys alluded to, she takes damage much better. She's just more comfortable uh, getting hit, fighting at a high pace, um, and, and just doing it for 15 minutes nonstop. I'm really impressed with the improvements that we've we've seen out of Angela Hill throughout her career. I mean, it, it didn't seem like it was that long ago where Rana Marcos took her down, passed her guard, and submitted her back in 2019. And since then, you could tell significantly she's improved on not only her takedown defense, but her defensive grappling overall. Um we even saw that in Michelle Waterson, right, to an extent. 
Um, you know, women are able to control Hill on the ground, but they're not able to get a whole lot off. And I know that could be different here, uh, a whole lot off in terms of like, you know, ground and pound, guard passes, things like that. And that could all change here uh, with the high-level black belt in Amanda Hivas, as you guys pointed out. She's very slick at taking the back as Amanda, uh, aggressive ground and pound for mount, mount, proficient scrambling. She's got a dangerous guard, uh, and she's a very crafty submission grappler as well. Um She's also got the judo background to be able to land those takedowns, right? You know, she's got a, a judo trip in the in the clinch, body lock takedown, and she's also, uh, from a pedigree standpoint, a black belt in judo and trains an American top team, which a lot of people are very high on as a camp. Um, she's also nine years younger as well. So both ladies are improving. Um, it's tough to tell how the loss will affect Rebus. You could use that as a narrative to say this makes her a better fighter, maybe it discourages her. We don't really know until we actually see her in there and perform. So I don't get too hairy with that narrative stuff. But when I look at this fight, I see even if we do want to favor Hill on the feet, even if even if I do want to favor Hill on the feet, I just think that Hibas actually has a significant advantage on the ground in top position because of her much higher grappling pedigree. Again, I know that I say Hill is improved, but I do think that there's uh, some chance that Rebus passes guard in top position. Um, and, and maybe works for a submission or something like that. So I'm going to side here with Amanda Hibas. Um, I would be, uh, again, Hill's a live underdog. Uh, she could win this fight on the feet. And she does, you know, have some pop in her hands. I mean, let's just say that. You know, she nearly, uh, she did hurt Ashley Yoder. She knocked down uh, Jessica Andrade. She knocked down uh, Claudia Gedalia as well. So, but the thing that we saw in that Ashley Yoder fight the second time was like, you know, she was taken down from a caught kick in round two and literally controlled for the rest of the round. We even saw that in round three to some extent. She threw a knee, got a little overzealous, and was proceeded to get controlled on her back for about a minute and 30. And so um, I think that's kind of difficult for her in this matchup should Rebos end in top position, end up in top position. Uh, so that's going to be why she's uh, my pick. She's got a more significant advantage on the ground than I do think that Hill does standing, if that makes sense. I completely get where you're coming from there. Uh, Pre-fight, stylistically speaking, I actually think that this is the toughest fight for Kibas, uh, even considering Marina Rodriguez, right? We obviously knew that Rodriguez had that faulty takedown defense, which was exposed in that first round. Ultimately, she wasn't able to get the takedown in the second round and got knocked out. But again, I, I feel slightly more comfortable with, with Hale than I do with Rodriguez. Uh, NP, uh, bring, bring the confidence back to me. Let me know I'm feeling good about Hale, or is uh, are you on the AJ side here with uh, Hibas? You know, man, I've been uh, doubting Hebas for a while. Me and you were both on that Marina KO line, you know, and uh, that was that was nice to catch. But um, yeah, honestly, looking at Amanda Hebas's wins in the UFC, I feel like she was fortunate with the timing of the fights when she was getting them. And what I mean by that wasn't uh, when she beat Mackenzie Dern. Wasn't that the fight after Mackenzie Dern gave birth to her uh, kid? Yeah. It was that was the comeback fight. If they fight right now, I don't know if Hibas beats Adern, you know? And then she beats Randa Marcos, who is on the verge of getting cut. Uh, she beats Paige Van Zandt, who is gone, right? So, and then she gets starched by Marina. Uh, so, I am I still don't know what exactly think of Hibas's ceiling of what she is. Uh, I do like some of the things that she does. You know, she has that... Um, I like her physicality for the weight class. You know, she has good ground game, all of those things. But Angela Hill, man, she's kind of that measuring stick to get into, you know, the top eight, whatever, you know. And I think I'm not so sure that Heba's coming after that, you know, devastating KO. That's a good matchup for her. You know what I mean? So 
and Angela Hill being a dog here, I don't know if that really makes much sense to me. I mean, I, obviously, uh, he was, has the path to victory, and Angela Hill, um, she's a little bit uh, at times emotional. You know, the way she fought Karate Hadi, I feel like she was really banking on that early KO, you know, and she gassed herself out. And then Karate Hadi used her fight IQ, and then she took over and was able, you know, to win the decision. Um, but that was over five rounds. I think uh, now that she rebounded with Yoder win, I think she's coming in with a different mentality here. She's not coming in with that. Uh, she had that bitter taste in her mouth after getting that split decision loss against Gadea. I thought that she won that fight, but, you know, it was a close one. So here, I mean, if Angela Hill is on point and Amanda Hebus is doubting herself and she can't get it to the ground, man, it could be a lot of trouble. So honestly, the line that I, I'm surprised that I missed was the opener on Unreal two and a half was plus 300. I think that that was an insane line. Now it came down and now it's uh, plus 160, which, you know, maybe still has value. Um, but as of right now, I'm going to pick Angela Hill and uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if she hurts her, but um, I don't like betting into the same outcome that happened last time. And since she just got KO'd, I don't know if that's going to happen again. But um, I wouldn't be surprised if Angela Hill just, you know, pieces her up on the feet and wins a decision. So I'm going to pick uh, Angela Hill. All right, AJ, on, a, on an island once again, but it is all, all good. All right, let's move on to the next fight here. This one, we definitely need to talk about the weigh-ins, right? Diego Ferreira comes in four and a half pounds, probably looks the worst on the scale outside of Ryan Benoit. Luckily, Ryan Benoit is not fighting tomorrow night, but goddamn, it, it almost looked like Diego Ferreira needed to get carried uh, or at least helped to the scale, steps on the scale, misses by four and a half pounds, very, very bad miss. And it's not those four and a half pounds where it looks like, Oh, this guy just gave up gave up uh, cutting weight. No, it looked like he probably hopped right out of the sauna and still was four and a half pounds over. Uh, and he just looked really depleted, really, really bad. The last time I've seen somebody look that bad and still end up fighting the next night uh, was uh, Ketlin Vieira. And she ended up going on to lose to Yana Kuninskaya. And obviously, this is a different stylistic matchup with Gregor Gillespie. And... The one thing I'm kind of surprised about is the fact that the line actually didn't move uh, that much. It actually kept moving in uh, Diego's way. So now we got minus 154 Gillespie, and we got plus 140 for Fajera. Uh, Newsom, I'll, I'll let you kick this one off. How do you feel about this fight? Yes, in regards to the scales, um, listen, I don't put any stock into it at all. Um, in fact, if you go back and watch the weigh-ins where Diego Fajera fought Tysum of, you know, Fajera looked you know, significantly worse than, than what he did today. And he went out there and put on a three-round clinic against Tysonov. But at the time, you know, I, I was back in Tysonov as well. You know, everybody was high on him. So you also, there's always, there's so many examples. The other one off the top of my head was when Cynthia Calvillo almost collapsed against uh, yeah. Pollyanna Botello and then went out there and beat her. So I don't put any stock into it. And I know... And I've seen it myself with my own eyes when I've been at weigh-ins with, with other promotions and I've seen a fighter really struggle backstage, potentially look the same way where they're just not in good shape at all, they weigh in. But an hour later, that listen, that's all it takes, just an hour of rehydration and it's almost like they never went through it. So I, I don't put any stock into it at all. I don't think that Diego Fajaya missing weight is going to, negatively impact his performance tomorrow night if anything i think he's i think he'll perform better because he'll be bigger and stronger um and therefore it'll just make it tougher for gillespie to get him down now 
What's interesting about this stylistic matchup is the the Brazilian jiu-jitsu because, sure, you know, Benil Dariush took down Fahea, you know, a ton of times in, in Fahea's last fight. And in the early moments, Fahea's scrambling and his jiu-jitsu and his submission attempts, his threats, and he'll use different submissions. And if he doesn't feel it, he'll use it to sweep or reverse. The reason why Benil Dariush didn't have any issues with that whatsoever is because he was so well-versed down on the mat. He's a legitimate BJJ black belt himself. And I think early on, it's going to cause Gregor Gillespie some problems. And I think Gregor Gillespie has got to mind his P's and Q's on that mat. I do think he's going to take him down. I do think he's going to get him down. But he's just got to be careful that he doesn't fall into any sort of traps that Diego Fahey has set him. However, with that being said, Again, you look at the Benny fight, the last fight, the longer that that went on, there was one moment, I believe, I think it was sort of halfway through the second round, maybe later in the second round, there was one moment where Dariush shot a takedown, he scored the takedown, and you almost you almost saw it in Fahey's eyes, that he was like, oh shit, again, and it was at that moment, there was not too much activity off his back, he wasn't trying to set any traps, he wasn't trying to sweep or reverse, he was almost just accepting that, oh, this has happened again. And you do see, it's quite a common theme that you do see that with a lot of uh, BJJ players in, in MMA. They, they start really well in regards to the defence. But when that wrestler just rinse and repeats, rinse and repeats, the longer it goes on, the more discouraged that they get. And I do think that if Gregor Gillespie sort of gets out of that round one, he manages to survive any sort of the traps or the submission attempts that Fahey's um, trying to land on him. I think the longer the fight goes on, the better it's going to be for Gillespie. I think the striking's pretty much even, if I'm being honest. I hear a lot of people talking about how Kevin Lee looks great against Gillespie and beating him up. I, I don't see it like that. I think Gillespie looked much more improved than, than what we'd seen in previous fights against Kevin Lee. He was crisp, he was sharp, he was patient, he had his fundamentals there, he had a nice jab, a good one too. He was in and out of range. I don't think Gillespie looked bad in regards to the striking. And then you flip over to the other side. I think uh, has come on leaps and bounds with his striking. I don't see an edge with the striking. I think the fight's going to be won and lost on the mat. And I think if Fahea can't do anything early in this fight, I think he's going to have that same sort of discouragement mentality come sort of halfway through the second round and into the third round when he's just getting taken down and he knows that Gillespie's survived the best that he's had to give and it just isn't working for him. So I'm, I am I never like to favour a guy where I believe he needs he needs something to happen off his back, especially when, when he's against, you know, a solid wrestler, which is what, you know, Gregor Gillespie is. So I'm backing Gregor Gillespie in this fight. I'm picking him together with I like it. Uh, I want to say this that I feel like the UFC stats is kind of misleading regarding that Kevin Lee and Diego are uh, uh, Gregor Gillespie fight. It says uh, Gregor only landed nine strikes. It feels like on on from what I remember, it's, it feels like he landed more. His jab looked sharp as hell. He was busting up the face of Kevin Lee before obviously he got his head kicked into the seventh row. AJ. How are you feeling about this one? Do we got another live dog here in Fajera? And I know you're one of those guys that actually doesn't put as much stock into weigh-ins, similar to Newsom, just a preface. But is this one that kind of catches your eye? And do you think it might have anything uh, to do with the fight tomorrow? Absolutely, yeah. If there's one big takeaway from weigh-ins, it was, it was CDF, right? I mean, it was just... 
he needed help. It wasn't a great look, but I would like to kind of gently remind everybody that, you know, it wasn't too long ago, about two years ago, you know, CDF actually weighed in and looked bad when he fought Mirbek Tysimov back in Abu Dhabi. Remember him struggling to get off the scale. So we know, as Newsom said, that's great insight. You know, an hour later, these guys can rehydrate and it could be a lot better. Um, and we have seen him kind of overcome that hurdle in a previous matchup against a very dangerous striker. I know it's a, a striker matchup, but a guy that hits extremely hard, a guy that's a legit threat. It's nice to have that data on CDF to say, hey, he could overcome this. Um, the issue, though, that I kind of have in this matchup is, like you guys said, if Gillespie wants to take him down, I don't see why he can't. And I do agree that, you know, in theory, uh, Dariush will be a lot more comfortable being on the ground than Gillespie potentially can. Again, Gillespie is very strong in top position. His pedigree in wrestling is excellent. NCAA Division One national champ. Uh, but he's a, a BJJ blue belt on paper. We know Dariush is very credentialed in terms of his Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu accolades. Um, so in theory, in top position, he was just very unlikely to get submitted by Ferreira. But we know, as Newsom said, at least while Ferreira's fresh, he looks to scramble, he looks to sweep. Uh, very tricky off his back is Ferreira. But and I am of the mind that Frere has good cardio, right? I think he has solid cardio, but Gillespie, the cardio we've seen out of him is just relentless. He'll shoot takedown after takedown for 15 minutes. It's just a different ball game to see CDF, you know, land over 100 significant strikes against Mirbek Tysimov. Yes, it was in the blistering heat in Abu Dhabi, and that's impressive, don't get me wrong, but it's it's a much different ball game to see a cardio machine like Gregor Gillespie go out there, uh, shoot like some ridiculous amount of takedowns in his UFC debut, mind you, like Ofranza, where there's a little jitters in there potentially, um, and just not get discouraged, right? Um, and so that, I, I generally do side with the fighter that I do think should be able to control where the fight goes. And I do think that if Gillespie wants to take this fight to the ground, um, he probably can. Uh, and in terms of the striking, it's it's interesting. I do think you guys made good points in terms of Gillespie's uh, improved standup. I do think that, you know, say in his most recent fights, I do think that he understands range better. I think he has better footwork, uh, but I still don't think he's a great technical striker, at least yet. Again, in this meantime, he could have improved. I like how he was popping out the jab. Uh, he does seem to have some power. He has solid boxing combinations, uh, but he's just pretty reckless in striking exchanges as Gillespie. And I know that we've only seen him knocked out officially one time by Kevin Lee, but going back on tape, he was rocked by Glyco Franza. He was rocked by Jason Gonzalez. He actually went to a knee there. Um, and on the flip side, Carlos Diego Ferreira is also willing to brawl. Um, he's very hittable in striking exchanges as well. I actually think that on tape, uh, assuming Gillespie's going to be near the form that we're used to seeing, and based on his Instagram, he's going to—he's in peak physical shape and everything. Um, I think he's going to be a bit faster than than CDF. Again, I like CDF's pressure. I like his volume. I like the fact that he could switch stances, and I do think that he has some pop in his hands. He did seem to rock Darius in round one of the second fight. Uh, but on the flip side, we have seen him hurt. Right? We saw him hurt by Kyle Nelson to the body. We saw him hurt by Mirbek Tysimov. We saw him knocked out by Dustin Poirier. We saw him knocked out by by Benny to the head and to the body. Um, so I think that in the standup, it could kind of be a firefight, high variance, just who lands that big shot. But why I do ultimately favor here, uh, Gregor Gillespie, even though I'm hesitant about the one and a half year layoff, even though I'm very hesitant about coming off his first knockout loss and potentially not being all in on fighting with his fisherman gig on the side. Um, I'm going to side with him because I do, I do tend to side with the better fighter, the better wrestler here, the guy that thinks a better athlete has better cardio and, and could win down the stretch. So, uh, GG Gregor Gillespie, that's my prediction.
I truly think we saw CDF turn a page, especially when he started to align himself with Fortis uh, MMA. I started calling him Fortis Fajeda. Um, you know, especially that Mirabek Tyson fight, that one really stood out to me, especially the way that he beat him, right? A lot of people thought he needed to get that fight to the ground to get his game going, but he just stalked him and pretty much outstruck him the entire time. Uh, Notorious, how are you seeing this fight? Are you on the Gregor train, or do you think that Fajeda can pull off the upset? Man, I was hoping that Rambo would kill a man before it gets to me, but he hasn't. <laughs> <laughs> it's looking close, though. It's looking close. It looks close. like Augusta did hurt his hand or something. Um, but yeah, yeah so so uh, my breakdown here is, uh, first of all, I was really, really shocked that uh, I was able to get under two and a half at plus 170. The the line opened at Pick'em, and people steamed over. Okay, well, I'll take that plus 170. Now it's at plus 140. But in terms of the pick itself, I am actually on a different spectrum than Newsom and AJ in terms of Oh, the Rumble's out. Rumble's out. What? Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, Rumble, Rumble got crumpled. Oh, I'm behind, Bob. Wait, wait, I'm behind. I'm behind. Oh, oh I'm behind too. Oh, oh. I'm at 115. Oh, wait, he's on his back. Dude. He's on his back. He has a choke. Oh, my God. Wait, wait, dude. Arambo is like. Oh, no. Arambo got on top hey, of him. What, what, what minute are you on? I'm on two. Yeah, I'm, two I'm on two minutes, man. 103, 102, oh. 101. Oh, oh, oh Rambo's teeing up oh, on the guy. Rambo got <laughs> He's Dude, eating yeah. some. Uh, he's eating some elbows, trying to get a takedown right now. But I God damn, you. I thought he was out. Oh man, can, can I please see that before I continue? <laughs> yes, for sure. I apologize, but yeah, God damn. Because I thought like Rumble's teeing off still. Oh, oh, oh! He got cracked. My left hook. Oh, I'm still behind. Oh, part, he's got part of the interruption, ladies and gentlemen. We got yeah, for sure. Interruption. You got Rumble making his comeback. I got way I, too excited. Yeah, exactly. I apologize. Um, but yeah, uh, we're okay, getting a stalemate here, so I apologize. Continue on NP. Yeah, no continue. finishes. I'll let you know if there is, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll continue. So, um, so my thing is, mm, uh, in terms of the weigh-ins, I'm on a different spectrum than Newsom and AJ. Um, I don't look into every single weigh-in and try to find the bet that way, but it was pretty obvious to me that two guys that looked at well i mean uh what's his name ryan beno he was just in no shape to fight at all i mean he it was a, it, i mean it's disgusting that they let him go the second time i mean it was pretty yeah. obvious the fight should have been called out but for Aero, i mean he looked like he needed help and um I mean, Newsom was right. He has looked before like that, and I mean, he came through uh, against Tysonov. But this is a completely different fight. Tysonov does not push the pace. You know, Gregor is the guy that's gonna push the pace, and if you're not in the top condition, I mean, that's gonna wear on you. So, um, for me, that kind of became more of like Fehea needs to get a finish, kind of, you know, in the first round or so, because if he doesn't, uh, I see Gregor pulling away, and. Um, I, I might have a hot hot take here, but I wouldn't be surprised if Gregor knocked him out. Um, man, Gregor to me, man, that that man throws bombs. He does, he does not care. His defense is suspect. I'm not gonna lie. I mean, he's been rocked multiple times by many people, Jason Gonzalez and guys like that. But he has shown improved striking to me in the Kevin Lee fight before he died, and even before that, I mean. I, I do think he, he throws some good punches I and mean, he has power, man. So um, I wouldn't be surprised if he hurt Fehea and uh, it might not be a standing KO, but uh, I can see him getting the, on top and just pounding him out because it's kind of hard for me to see him submitting Fehea, but 
you know, if he does, he does. I mean, my under two and a half would be happy for that. But um, the other thing that I want to see is I want to say that I kind of looking at Fejia's uh, win streak, I, I kind of doubt it a little bit, you know, because look at uh, he beat uh, Kyle Nelson. I don't know if that guy belongs in the UFC. He beat Rustam Pavlov. Uh, Rustam Habilov, I don't think he's the same guy. He couldn't. I think he didn't beat Cajun Johnson in Moscow. He got that hometown decision, and I was on the parlay, and I was sweating balls, man. Like, <laughs> it, was, it was not a good pick for the parlay, but he cashed. And yeah. Tysonov, has Tysonov even fought since that fight? Like, I, I don't know. So, and Anthony Pettis. And Anthony Pettis is washed, right? So, he, he just lost in the PFL to a Clay Collard, right? So his win streak was a little bit overinflated, and going to the Rouge fight, his line was what was it, pick him, or maybe he was a slight underdog, right? That's what it was. I think he was slight favorite, and then eventually became a slight underdog as okay. a lot so of people slight underdog. Darius. And Darius, man, like Darius is on fire right right now. So I mean, I mean, there's no. Um, I guess your stock doesn't drop too much if you lose to Darius right now. So, but even, but here, I think Gregor Gillespie coming in uh, after that layoff. I mean, I know that knockout is devastating, but like I said previously, I don't bet into the same outcome twice in a row. I think that line oh, it's is over. It's over. It's over. Sorry, Rumble knocked out. It's over. Oh, Rumble won? Yeah, Rumble won. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Well, you were like a minute behind. So, so I'm just going to wrap it up quick. So, <laughs> so I'm going to say that uh, my pick is going to be Gregor. Uh, I think he's going to be uh, extremely motivated. He's in better shape. And I think he's going to get a finish here. So uh, my, I'm going to pick him by uh, second round TKO. I was initially surprised when you hit me up and said that you're going for the under two and a half in this fight. Uh, I kind of side with you a little bit more, especially after seeing the weigh-ins. And I don't try to put too much stock into the weigh-ins. Like there are, like you guys obviously brought up some good points in, in terms of people that have looked like shit on the scales and then obviously come out and, and prepare very well. But I think it depends on the stylistic matchup that they're going up against. And you're going up against a guy in Gregor Gillespie who's not going to relent. He's going to stay in front of your face. He's going to be taking you down. Oh. Obviously, if you want to talk about chain wrestlers, you're talking about one of the best guys here in Gregor Gillespie and Darius was chain wrestling his ass off last time around against uh, uh, Ferreira so uh, I like that Newsom uh, I think it was Newsom or AJ that brought it up in terms of in halfway through that second round or later part of that second round when, when Darius got one of those takedowns you see the confidence kind of leave Ferreira and that was very hurtful for me too because i was on fajero for that fight i thought he had a really good chance to to uh you know pull off the the comeback there and get some revenge but it, it just didn't work out so um with fajera uh in terms of like the fortis fajera it, it seemed like that his game plan seemed to be more predicated on pressuring his opponents staying in front of their face getting their leg, leg kicks off you know not letting them breathe just just have a suffocating pace, but I find that to, to be very hard here for him uh, against a guy in Gregor Gillespie who knows change levels very well, uh, is uh, such a great, obviously probably one of the best wrestlers in the UFC right now, Islam Mahachev probably up there as well, Khabib's obviously retired now, but Gregor Gillespie is an absolute amazing uh, fighter. I, I truly believe that, you know, he's at 33, 34 years old. He needs to get it started. He needs to get it going right now if he wants to sniff a title shot. And I think that this is going to be his comeback fight where he's going to be able to do that. Uh, initially, I was leaning Gregor by decision, but I could see his uh, smothering style eventually catching up to CDF here. And I think that we see a little bit more of an offensive um, 
Gregor here than we saw with uh, Darius last time around. You know, Darius was kind of content with just getting the position and and kind of riding out on top. Whereas Gregor, some people say he's a lay-in prayer, and I think you guys are just absolutely bullshitting. Look at his record. The guy's a finisher. He goes out there looking to get the back, trying to flatten you out, get that ground and pound going, or get a submission of some sort. And initially, I thought that CDF's uh, black belt in jiu-jitsu would be able to bail him out and at least, you know, keep him from getting finished. But I do think that the pace pressure uh, that we're going to see from Greg, uh, Gregor here is going to be too much for Fajera, and we could potentially get a late finish here from Gregor Gillespie. So I'm going Gregor here, and I'll go with him by finish. MP, go ahead. Yeah, I just wanted to add that before it's all said and done, I would love to see Gregor against Islam Mahachev. I oh, know please, if, please. If that would ever happen, I know my, my man knew some will lose his pants. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yo, I'd love to see that fight. All right, let's keep things moving along. And this this is a dumpster fire of a fight that we got to get through here. Maurice Green against Marcos Hajirio de Lima. And AJ, I'll give you the, 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 the pleasure to kick off this breakdown for us. Well, if I'm going to do a breakdown, I'm glad it's with guys like you because it's not a breakdown that I would exactly want to initiate on my own, but I'm happy to do it anyway. Um, so as you touched on, it's a bit of a, a dumpster fire here. And, uh, you know, we've just got two very flawed fighters. That's the reason why we're here. Um, just they both have very, very poor cardio. Uh, Delima typically gets tired in round one. I mean, we saw that in the Strew fight. I mean, if somebody were to ask me the type of fighter Delima is, I would show him the Strew fight. He's super dangerous in round one. He's not a technical striker at all. He throws just looping shots, but he's durable. He's tough to finish in terms of like a knockout standing, but he just hits very hard and he's very aggressive. But then if you're able to weather that storm, he could be taken down easily. He could get his guard passed easily and he could be submitted. Uh, the Don't let the BJJ black belt fool you. I mean, again, I'm sure he has it, but he's been submitted in all five of his UFC losses, right? Um, he's just been taken down by guys that aren't good wrestlers. Stefan Struve was touched upon. Adam Wyshorek, right? I mean, these guys aren't known for their wrestling, right? The, the thing is, Green, maybe we see him bring out his wrestling, but an interesting stat that I came across is Green has not leaned, landed one takedown in the UFC, not one. Wow. And he defends takedowns at a rate of 28%. <laughs> so even though I, I'm not high on Delima as a, as a wrestler, he's certainly not technical at all, but he is very strong. He's going to be shorter, lower center of gravity. If he wants to take down Green, I don't see why he can't. But I do actually think that Green would be a submission threat from his guard. Um, I know that Green has a BJJ blue belt, but kind of on the contrary, what I said about Delima's BJJ black belt, he actually can threaten from his guard. Uh, he actually submitted John Vellante from half guard, uh, interestingly enough, as we all know, that very memorable fight. Um, and then even in his UFC debut, right, against Batista. So I'm not doubting Green if this fight goes to the ground. He's on his back. He can maybe threaten Delima with something. But man... I mean, when you watch Green on tape, it's like I know he's so long and rangy, and I know that he's adding more diversity with his with his striking skill set. Glory kickboxing background, right? He's going to have five inches of reach here. He's going to be six inches taller. He added that oblique kick that we see a lot of the Jackson Wink fighters use where he's training at now. But we know he just doesn't pop out that jab with frequency. And so we're seeing these shorter fighters close distance on him and then hurt him, right? I mean, he's been hurt in so many fights, right? El Junior Albini rocked him. Uh, Juan Espino rocked him on the ultimate fighter. John Volante rocked him as I was touching on earlier, uh, nearly finished him. The ref was, war uh, Mark Smith was warning him to fight back. Sergey Pavlovich, uh, hurt him and knocked him down. Uh, Greg Hardy most recently. So I just think that they're both so flawed in terms of cardio, in terms of takedown defense, um, that I have to kind of just, you know, X out what is remaining and what Delima at least has going for him is he's more durable and I think more powerful and he'll probably just go out here and try and swing 
as you say, heavy bungalows early at green and try and knock them out. And I think that's probably what happens. I just, I don't like green's range management. Another takeaway that I found at weigh-ins, green looked like he was in better shape than ever. Oh, he's six pack abs. Yeah. He looked great. He looked phenomenal. Um, but I'm just, I don't know how that's going to translate to his fights. And so, um, I think that green needs to kind of weather a storm to win. And I, I'm not doubting him. I just, like we talked about the just, uh, basically quits on the ground when you put him in a bad spot. Cardio is poor. Um, it might just take one compromising position for green to lock something up and he gets him to tap. But, uh, I am going to side with Delima here. I think he's got advantages early. I think he could do damage early. And I think he probably goes out here and gets a quick knockout. This is definitely the lightest we've seen Maurice Green on the scales in the UFC. I was looking it up. I think the lightest we've seen him before was roughly around 242 or 243. Came in at 237, obviously in much better physical shape. I'm still not touching this fight with a 10-foot pole. NP, how do you feel about this one? Yeah, so from what I've heard from my sources, the Lima got his black belt from the Black Martin in Brazil. So, like, <laughs> I, I don't know, man. And uh, <laughs> Okay, so the one thing that uh, really stands out to me between the two guys, I I question the heart of the Lima, man. I, I really do. Uh, besides the cardio, the way he tapped to Stroop, man, like, I mean, Stroop just got that arm triangle, and he wasn't even on the side, man. He, the, the man was looking for a way out before even he locked it in, and he tapped within, like, two seconds, man. To me, um, I mean, I grapple myself, and, like, if it's a choke, man, I'm going to fight out of it as much as I can. I mean, it's training, right? It's different, right? But even – especially in the competition, man, I would fight out of it. But, like, if it's a knee bar, I understand. You know, your knee's going to snap and it's going to be over, right? Or if it's an ankle, whatever, but or an arm bar, but like a choke, man. And we've seen this guy quit over and over again. And uh, when you have a quit in you and you have a terrible cardio, that's, a, I mean, a horrible combination. So people that lay in chalk on the Lima, that's, I mean, that's crazy to me. If you want to bet the Lima, bet him in round one. I mean, mo I mean, most likely that's how he's gonna win. If he gets past round number one, what are the odds you give uh, him to win the fight? I mean, I want to hear you guys' answers. Like, what? Are, he's what an underdog. <laughs> he's a big underdog after round one. Right. So if that's the case, then how can you lay almost minus two hundred on the guy? You know what I mean? So you have to bet him inside the distance or round one. And Maurice Green, yes, he has been finished. But I looked at those three finishes today, right? And every single time. The man was fighting like he wasn't just trying to quit. I mean, Pavlovich, he was bombing away. He was still trying to move. I'm not saying none of those stoppages were early. though There were good stoppages, right? Uh, Greg Hardy was bombing away at him. He was moving. He was even protesting the stoppage against Herb Dean. I think Herb Dean stopped both of those fights, actually. Um, and against Olenek, uh, Olenek had him in the scarf hold for like a minute and a half. The dude never quit, you know. So Olenek, it went to the second round. He got the armbar and he finished him. But Olenek, I mean, you know, Olenek, that's what Olenek does, you know. I mean, he is a higher level um, guy. So... I think uh, that Maurice Green coming in the best shape of his life. Uh, do we know if he quit Sigs by any chance? Or I'm not sure. <laughs> okay, well, I don't know. But somebody um, somebody, re somebody responded to me on on Twitter saying when I when I said that uh, he looks in good shape, and somebody said, "Oh, yeah, he's lighter than what he normally is." Somebody said, "Oh, well, uh, cigarettes are a natural um, uh, suppression for." 
for, for food, basically. <laughs> so wow. they'll basically right. just say, got, so it helps, is what you're saying. Well, <laughs> hey, maybe he's rolling his own cigarettes instead of buying, you know, the bad ones. So who knows? But <laughs> I, he, he does look in the, in the best shape of his life. I know you guys don't want to put too much stock into him, uh, into that. But in the fight where both guys are pretty low competition, level of competition, and one guy is a quitter with bad cardio, and the other one comes in the best shape of his life and is plus 70, was 170. I'm I'm gonna lean on his side, and I actually did take a shot. Um, I did I didn't get plus 170. I got plus 160. But I I mean I expect uh, madness, and if he dies in the first round, so be it. But after that first round, I think he's gonna be a favorite in my eyes, and I'm gonna lay plus 170 there. I don't hate that spot at all. I do applaud your degeneracy for actually wagering on this fight, but at least you're taking the plus money, so I can't hate it too much there. Uh, another spot uh, we, we talked about when we talked about Phil Hawes and uh, and uh, Kyle Dawkins. This is another prime live betting spot. You might get a very good first round here from uh, from uh, Hadrio de Lima, and then obviously you might even get a better line on Marie Screen if it actually reaches the second round. So if you are into that live betting market, this is definitely a very good spot to to go out there and take advantage of that. But I, I'm so glad that AJ brought up that Stefan Struve fight for a Rio de Lima because that was the most comedic shit ever to see him land that first bomb right away. Literally the first first punch thrown closes the gap against Stefan Struve, who apparently still doesn't know how to use his range, lands that punch cleanly, drops him, and then proceeds to lay in his guard for four and a half minutes. So um Rio de Lima, again, one round or bust, pretty much. He has heavy leg kicks. He was able to land some pretty good shots on Romanov before Romanov was able to ground that fight. And I'm not 100% sure if we'll see Green actually take those shots. Um, I do like what NP was saying. It's not like he just gave up on himself. He was always trying to fight back and, and try to stay in it. But I think that the power that's going to be coming his way from uh, de Lima earlier here is probably going to debilitate him, especially those low leg kicks. I think he's going to have to lay on those leg kicks right off the bat, and I think it's going to render um, Mr. Omar Marie Green pretty immobile, and then after that, he should be able to let it go with his hands. I'd be surprised if Maurice Green ends him in the first round with the punch of his own, but I do like the Lima here ever so slightly. And if this was lock of the night 2020, I'd probably go, be going with the under one and a half in this fight, but I just can't trust low-level heavyweights anymore. I've sworn that shit off. I'm not putting heavy money on that type of fight anymore. And uh, I, I do expect this fight to finish under one and a half, and I do expect it to be Delima that's going to get his hand raised. Uh, plus 150 on the first round. I think that's a decent spot. Newsom, you, you have any action on this dumpster fire here? How do you see this fight going down? I have 11 units. Oh, God. No! <laughs> I'm, I'm kicking you out right now. <laughs> no, man. Uh, I, I do think Delima gets it done, though. The, the thing is, Delima does have um, very questionable cardio, obviously. I'm not going to sit here and pretend he doesn't. But he, he strikes me as he's more of the type of fighter that will struggle with his, uh, with his cardio down the stretch when he's really pushed and tested. Uh, you know, Romanov was was a perfect fighter for that. I know we didn't see it go that long to see it, but it would have done if that fight would have gone longer in regards to uh, pressing him up against the cage, trying to grind on him, taking him down. I think that sort of style is going to cause Deliver a lot of problems with that cardio down the stretch. But Green isn't going to be that type of fighter. I don't even think Deliver is going to look for takedowns in this fight. I know um, he did against uh, Adam Vicharek, and he actually looked okay and you know in regards to laying heavy on top of uh of Bishrek in that fight i don't think he'll do it we've seen green against you guys have mentioned it already i think it was np with alexia linick and a linick struggled to get him out of there uh, and he survived those um those scarf old neck cranks 
for a long time as well. But I think this fight is going to be won and lost on the feet. I do think that with Green being a little bit slimmer, a little bit more in shape, he's probably going to utilise that movement and speed a little bit more and try and get in and out of range to land on Delima, uh, who's seemingly going to have you know a, a height and reach disadvantage. But the thing is, Delima's Muay Thai is actually all right, and he does hit really hard, especially with the low kicks. I think the low kicks are going to play a key factor in this fight. I think when Green comes into range and he's using his movement and he's trying to get in and out, I think when he comes into range, he's going to get hit. He's going to get chopped with that um, with that low kick, and then the low kick's going to be followed up with uh, a counter lead left hook maybe a right as well. So I just feel that the combinations following the low kicks are going to be there for Delima. And I'm just not sure that Green is going to be able to eat too many of them. I think he might only take, you know, one clean shot for him to get knocked out. If this fight does get extended, if we do go out of that first round, I'm not convinced that Green's going to be able to push the action enough and really grind on Delima enough to completely... Um, completely zap the, the, that energy level, the, that gas tank of Delima. I'm not convinced. I do think that Delima, with the way I see this fight playing out, I do think he could potentially have two solid rounds and that might be all that he needs because if he doesn't get the knockout and his two rounds up going into the third and the fight isn't finished, he'll win 29-28 at the least. So I do like Delima in this fight. Again, you guys have mentioned it with the line and you've got trust issues. I, I completely understand it, but... From my perspective, I think when Green's coming into range, he's going to get chopped at the, the legs. I think Green's going to get chopped at the legs. I think he's going to get hit with a uh, left hook straight right. I, I do think that Delima's um, technical striking is going to be on point. And he hits hard as fuck, man. So I, I think that, I, I do think that it's not impossible, obviously, for Green to win this fight. But I just think that he's going to have to fight a really perfect and disciplined fight, which... I'm just not confident he's going to be able to do so. The pick for me is uh, Marcos Rogerio de Lima. And I was wrong. It's actually 12 units, not 11. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, I got news, so I love it. I love it. All right, let's move on to a quality fight here and one that I'm very much excited for. We got Neil Magny going up against uh, a Jeff Neil. I don't want to really confuse anybody too much on this one. Uh, uh, we'll start this one actually off with uh, Notorious Picks. How are you feeling about this fight? Do you think Neil Magny is a live dog? Um, so I actually had a, well, I still have a live parlay, uh, and Neil, Neil is part of it. Um, I had Mowgli Benitez, which got canceled. I had Giga, I had Jeff Neal and Leon Edwards to finish it off. So, uh, as I'm getting closer to the fight, I am not as confident. Um, and the reason being is I'm not really sure what kind of state Jeff Neal is in right now. Um, at his best, I think he is uh, a better fighter. I do think that he would be able to um, get um, Magni off of him, and I think his striking is just way superior, and I think he has the power to hurt Magni. And in the past, I think um, in order to beat Magni, you kind of need um, need him to respect uh, your striking. You need to hurt him, you know. So that's what kind of the Ponzinibbio um, – uh blueprint what he did to him i know uh, or even rafael dos Anjos. i know that neil wouldn't you know uh, chop his leg take him down and you know get the submission but what i'm saying is you, you got to hurt him oh lorenz larkin lorenz larkin looked like a world beater on the night that when he beat um neil magni and uh if we get uh jeff neil who is confident and who's coming in in a good shape i think he could get it done 
I'm just not so sure. And um, I mean, obviously, I still have that parlay, um, but I am not laying any more uh, money on Jeff Neal here. Um, but if we look at Neil Magnum, I mean, I did bet him again uh, against Li Jing Yang at uh, plus money. That was that was nice uh, coming after a big layoff. Or wasn't it? Uh, he did have a USADA problem, right? Is that what it was? I believe that's what it was. And then uh, Anthony Rocco Martin fight. I mean, that was a close one. Uh, that was a close fight. Uh, he ultimately did win it um, with the control. And uh, if he gets inside the clinch and is able to do his uh, usual thing, I mean, yeah, that could cause problems. But a distance, uh, I favor Jeff Neal. Uh, the line is wide. So if uh, people are taking shots on Neil Magny, I, you know, I, I don't hate it. Um, I'm still going to stick with what I bet in before. So I, I'm going to pick Jeff Neal. But, uh, yeah, I would say the line is a little bit wide for my liking. I was kind of like you where I have Neil Magny on a long shot parlay just over multi-events. And uh, that was oh, before pre-tape. And even uh, after running the tape, I'm still just as confident in Neil Magny, man. He, he is bringing this type of style that just frustrates certain fighters. And even looking at his losses, they're not bad losses, right? They're to legitimate competition. Like you're talking about the Ponzinibbio and Lorenz Larkin fights. Those runs were predicated on them getting their leg kicks off and really battering the lead legs or the lead leg of Neil Magny, really trying to immobilize him. So he can't really get his herky-jerky movement off and really get his style going. And then eventually they knock him out in, the, in those fights. The only other fights that he's lost by finish is, uh, I believe, Damian Maia and Rafael Dos Anjos, who obviously have a huge grappling advantage over him. I don't expect to see that with Jeff Neal this weekend. Um, so my, my thing is with Neil Magny, again, he, he's similar to Wonderboy in a sense that he has this weird style that it's not a karate style, but it's just a weird style that's very hard for fighters to deal with, where it's like, I'm going to either stick on the outside and jab you to death from range uh, and then just throw a couple of light kicks here and there, uh, or I'm going to get it on the inside, beat you up in the clinch, be the stronger guy, uh, you know, always remain moving, not just stay uh, uh, like a lay and pray situation. He's always trying to throw offense out there. Like there's so many situations where you see him have like a very high, underhook up against the cage trying to take his opponent down and then doing so he frees up his other arm to just keep punching you in the face to just stay active enough and keep you thinking about stuff and if he's able to do that here against Jeff Neal I think it's going to be a very bad night for Jeff Neal Jeff Neal in my opinion needs space to operate and Neil Magny is the perfect guy to go out there and not give him that space to operate and I did back Neil Magny ever so slightly against uh, Michael Chiesa back in January and almost uh, swore off betting Neil Magny in the future. But when you give me a good stylistic matchup like this one that we have this weekend, I think it's a good way for him to go out there and get back onto the winning track. Now, Jeff Neal is one of those guys that I'm very high on. I feel like he has really good potential. Obviously, he's coming back for that Wonderboy losses, his first loss in the UFC. And even before that, he had this heart issues and all these weird things that he was dealing with. So first of all, we got to figure out how much of an impact that's truly going to have him in, him in his fighting career but i feel like if it was really bad uh they wouldn't even let him fight to begin with so i don't know how much it's truly going to affect him but that's definitely something that we need to worry about um or think about at least but i still think that we're going to see neil magni go out there and as long as he doesn't get his legs chopped up uh you know lorenz larkin and santiago ponzinibbio style i think we'll see him go out there and actually put his game plan into fruition which is pushing uh jeff neil up against the cage really start to work him there put up the activity get that cardio to become uh, to get into play um and I, I, this might be a little bit of a hot take, but I thought he was 
slightly slowing down against Bilal Muhammad in that third round. Not to the point of that it's Phil Hawes style or anything like that, but it, to the point that a guy like Neil Magny could potentially take advantage of that. He was hurting and doing some good damage against uh, Bilal Muhammad, who also went, if I'm not mistaken, 0 of 6 or 0 of 7 on takedowns. And obviously, Neil, uh, Jeff Neal has a 92% takedown defense rate, but I don't think Jeff uh, Neil Magny necessarily needs to get takedowns to win this fight. It can just be one up against the cage off of control time and staying active enough. So, yeah, I still like Neil Magny here i think he has some good value i think no matter what this fight's probably going over two and a half rounds i don't think we see jeff neil knock him out i think if jeff neil wins it's probably from outpointing him uh but if this the first minute of this fight passes and we see jeff neil going out there throwing three four five leg kicks in a row then i'm going to be sweating my balls off thinking that oh fuck it, they're probably taking the lorenz larkin and uh santiago ponzanibio route here and i don't blame them right that's the way to go out there and beat a guy like jeff neil, or uh neil Maddie. god it's gonna keep fucking me up going through uh, back and forth with these guys names but i'm glad i'm almost at the end of my breakdown here again i do like neil magny uh, uh it does concern me having a high level coach like safe sayud and jeff neil's corner in terms of devising a game plan to go out there and beat a guy like neil magny but being in there with neil magny is a completely different monster and i think that jeff neil is going to struggle to deal with the style of neil and uh, i think we see neil who's only 33 years old which i found very impressive and, and surprising considering he's been in the ufc for close to 10 years now uh he's still close to his peak i think he could still go out there and i don't think he's going to get a title shot or, or make a title run or anything like that but he can still go out there and close the gate on some of these up-and-comers i think that's what's going to happen this weekend with uh neil magny taking home a decision victory obviously if you want to talk about value the probably the best way to bet him would be by decision which is around plus 235 plus 265 if i'm not mistaken but i'm still happy with the money line on him as well as i think it's a very solid value bet and stylistically i think it's a great bet for him too newsome how are you feeling about this one yeah this is another underdog pick for me as well and um hey <laughs> you know for a start neil magny's a, a, a bit of a difficult puzzle to solve you know it's not a wonder boy puzzle to solve you know that, that shit's like da vinci code level you know problem to <laughs> yeah. solve you know but uh no neil magny is a difficult fighter to um uh to, to really figure out and to really look good against and generally speaking in these plus money sports he does tend to uh fight for your money which is obviously exactly what you want when you you, you know you're laying you're laying money down on magny at that plus money uh, betting line but there's two types of style that beats neil magny there's the type of style where you know you you take him down exactly what kiesa did but you've got to be a decent level wrestler to take him down and you've got to have a good top game to keep him down as well you know dos Anjos did it really well but prior to dos Anjos taking neil magny down magny actually looked decent in the striking department and we all know rda is no slouch as a striker he you know he's a is a striker that's well a fighter that's knocked people out on the feet so he's he's not just a wrestler or a grappler and magni was looking decent against him but the the reason why magni was allowed to look good against dos Anjos on the feet is because dos Anjos didn't pose that other style that magni has problems with and that's a really forward uh forward facing striker that loves loves to put the pressure loves to be the aggressor push Magni on his back foot and just crowd him inside boxing range and land combinations, hard combinations. So they're the two types of problems that Magni faces. So Magni isn't going to have the issue of getting taken down and controlled on his back with a good top player because that's just not Jeff Neal. Where he could have problems is Jeff Neal crowding him inside that boxing range and landing hard combinations. I also like how Jeff Neal mixes in his kicks within the combinations as well, specifically the high kick. So 
Neil's powerful, he's dangerous, and he will be trying to put the pressure on. But on the flip side, I don't think Neil... Well, I was about to say, I don't think Neil's fought a striker like Magni has in Wonderboy. Wonderboy absolutely schooled him. You know, I was on that plus money side with Wonderboy there. Really surprised that it was ever that plus money line. But, you know, that's a different fight. Whereas here, he has a similar sort of stylistic matchup. Again, it's not to the extreme of Wonderboy, but he does have a fighter in front of him in Neil Magni that is a little tricky to deal with, is a little tricky to figure out. And I do think because of that, Neil might start a little bit slower. This is only three rounds. Remember, it's not five rounds like it was with Wonderboy. So if Jeff Neil does maybe drop that first round trying to get reads and trying to figure um, trying to figure Neil Magni out, then he's a round down and he's got to play catch-up. And at that point, that then plays into Neil Magni a little bit because Magni's got cardio for days. He's a veteran. I don't think Neil will really throw anything at him that he's not seen before. Um, the problem is the style. He might have problems with that. But I think that it's absolutely plausible to say that Neil Magni can win two out of three rounds here and not get knocked out. So the fact that he's plus money with that in mind, he's a difficult fighter to make reads on. He's a cardio machine. He's been in there with the best of the best. I do have to side with that plus money and an underdog with Neil Magni. I like it too. I, I absolutely agree with pretty much every point that you touched on there. And it's funny that we were uh, pretty much all, it seems like, on that plus money side for Neil Magny against Lee Jing Leong and uh, Stephen, uh, Stephen Thompson against uh, uh, Jeff Neal last time around. Those are very, very sharp spots. And I do want to commend you guys for those. AJ, how are you feeling about this one? You think that Magny has the bark or are you on the Jeff Neal side here? I think Magny could win. I just think that Neil should be favored here. I mean, look, you guys brought up some great points. If Magny keeps Neil at the end of his punches, he's got the reach advantage here like he typically does. Maybe he could work in some clinch work. We know Magny's compelling there. He's got body lock takedowns, trip takedowns. Uh, he's also got some double eggs as well. I just think that it's going to be tough for Magny to control Neil in the clinch for enough time. Uh, and take him down and keep him there for enough time to win rounds. Um, Neil has shown solid takedown defense, and he's also a very good athlete. He comes from a football background. He moves very well on his feet. His footwork is excellent. And so I think in all likelihood, for the most part, we're going to get a striker's battle. And in a striking battle, I just think it's going to be tough for Magni to keep Neil off of him. Um, Neil operates as a southpaw striker. He's got heavy hands, five knockdowns and six UFC fights. Look at me. I'm just throwing out the stats here. Something that I never would have thought I would have been able to Mr. do. Mr. Like, Statistician over here. <laughs> uh, sign me up. I'm going to, I'm going to go back and get my master's degree in it. Anyway. Um, he's got fast hands, sharp boxing, uh, as Newsom said, or maybe you said as well. Uh, the combinations are beautiful. Very nice one, two combo. I love his double jab, uh, double jab overhand left. Uh, you guys, up the head kick the the high kick the low kick or excuse me body kick high kick low kick um he doesn't have the most varied attack as neil he's mainly a headhunter i would like to see his variety increase but as you guys pointed out maybe his safe sayud uh we, we've seen the vulnerabilities with magni's uh opposition attacking his leg Rafael dos Anjos, lorenz larkin santiago ponsambio i think it's possible that they come in with a game plan and so what it boils down to me in a fight that I think is going to be one of lost standing, I just think that Neil's the more technical striker who hits harder. Um, I think he has faster hands, better footwork. And I just think that he's going to be doing damage to Neil down the stretch. And, and we know Neil is so tough. Uh, if somebody just, if I were to be asked that, like I would just show somebody that the Hector Lombard fight, that's probably the most notable one. Hector Lombard dropped him badly, 
hurt him twice in that fight, but Magny being so tough, such a cardio machine, was able to weather that storm and get the ground and pound stoppage in round three. But when I go back on tape, I know that officially Magny has only been stopped by Larkin and Ponzinibbio professionally, but he was also knocked out on tough. I saw him hurt yeah. by Tony Martin, and I saw him hurt by Li Jing Liang. I just think it seems within one of the more likely outcomes that Neil does damage to Magny and probably hurts him. So I think that Neil's the better round winner for that reason. I think he's got more finishing upside for that reason. And I think he probably wins this fight. So like you guys, you can never count Ma uh, Neil Magny out. He's uh, very experienced. He's long. He's a well-rounded fighter. But uh, I do think that the aggregate of the striking exchanges in a fight that's going to be won or lost in the standup, I think, is going to go in favor of Jeff Neal. I like it. I like it. Probably one of my more anticipated fights on the card, especially with Gregor Gillespie and uh, Carlos Diego Ferreira as well. All right. We're at, we are at the Coleman event here. We got Alex uh, Morono stepping in on short notice for Diego Sanchez. Obviously, we know what the hell's going on over there. Uh, and uh, he's taking on Cowboy Cerrone, who had a full training camp for this. Alex Morono, I'm not sure how active he was in the in the gym, uh, but he did seem to make 170 pretty easily on the scales. He seemed to be the best on the scales out of all the Fortis guys, to be honest. Um, so he comes in here against Cowboy, trying to bounce back from that Anthony Pettis fight. Uh, and I'll kick this one off for you guys. Uh, I think Cowboy's pretty much better, better everywhere, right? Uh, the, the 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 tail used to be out on him in terms of if you're able to rush him early, you should probably get him out, just like Connor did, just like Gaethje did. You know, that's kind of what it's been, uh, at least uh, how to go out there and solve the Cowboy puzzle. But after you get out of that, then he starts to really put it on you. He starts to get the confidence. He starts to put his combinations together, and then he starts to really style on you really right like i still think the guy's very skilled even at this older age that he's currently at and seeming to be on his last legs but this is the type of fight that he needs to really go out on like a, a big win and i think he could absolutely do that here against alex morono who i don't think is the most threatening guy here alex morono seems to throw a lot of heat in his punches and it, not the most technical guy but it just seems like he's almost taking the haniyaya approach which is just i'm gonna throw heavy hands and if you take me down i have my black belt to almost um bail me out but then you don't really see his black belt come to fruition right you see max griffin kind of like grinding him out you don't see much opposition off of his back and we know cowboys Toronto. say what you want i don't even know if he's officially a black belt but 17 of his 36 wins are coming by submission the guy's a great club and summer he can go out there and seek the choke and he can definitely do that on a fight by fight basis and I, I and i'm impressed by it uh people think that his chin is completely gone and even though there are big punches in the past that have been able to expose that i don't think alex morono is the guy that would technically be able to land a clean enough punch here on Cowboys running to put his lights out. So I do think that Cowboys favored here. I was kind of surprised at the opening line around that minus 150. He even got bet down to minus 130. And then we got some, uh, uh, you know, uh, correctness and justice back in the world to get that line back up to minus 200 where I think it's accurately lined. You know, Alex Morono, I really, don't really rate that heavily, uh, especially with his loss to Anthony Pettis last time around. We saw Pettis be quicker to the punch uh, anytime the fight was in the striking distance. Uh, you know, he was getting the better of him and I expect the same thing here from uh, Cowboy. Maybe not as quick as Anthony Pettis, but he should still be able to go out there and put on a good pace and really start to, uh, you know, lay it on uh, Alex Morono. I'm torn between a finish and decision. I will go with the durability of Morono, obviously the most recently or the most recent time we've seen him put out was Chaos Williams. I don't think that Cowboy Sony has Chaos Williams type power. Maybe in combinations he could set up something, a beautiful head kick of some sort to take his head off, but I will give Morono the benefit of the doubt. I'm going to take Cowboy by decision, and I think he's one of the safer spots. Like uh, I forgot who it was who mentioned it. Like 
they said that uh, you know Klein being as big of a favorite as he was, there are other spots that probably should be lined around that and that you feel much more comfortable with. And I think that Cerrone is one of those guys that should be a higher lined. Uh, and uh, yeah, I think he pretty much cruises here. Newsom, am I too high on Cowboy here, or do you think that uh, he's too far off his tracks and Morono can capitalize? No, I, I I completely agree. And I actually said on on the podcast on my podcast as well that. This fight reminds me a lot of Pettis Morono um, in regards to uh, Pettis was the better striker, Cerrone is the better striker, Pettis was the better wrestler, Cerrone is the better wrestler, Pettis was the better grappler, Cerrone is the better grappler. The only thing that ever gets thrown into uh, into question here is the age, the decline, the durability, because I'm, I don't think Cerrone is washed, and I don't think he's chinny, and I don't think he's got durability issues. But at some point, all that is going to come crashing down. And it's, it's it's these types of fights where we're sat here talking of saying, oh, yeah, well, he's better everywhere, and that's bang, it happens in that fight. It's a possibility, but it's a low percentage outcome, and you're also, at that point, um, making assumptions based on nothing. Um so I, you can't put too much stock into it, is what I'm trying to say. I think it's a very similar fight to the Pettis Morono fight. I think Cerrone, um, sorry, I think Morono will have moments. Of course, it's a, it's a fist fight. He's going to punch Cerrone in the face at some point. But I just feel wherever this fight goes, Cerrone is going to be able to control it. I think he's more skilled in each discipline of mixed martial arts. And I also think, well, I also know that he's more experienced and he's. He's not going to see anything inside the cage from Morono that he's not seen from another fighter in his career. So just to keep that short and simple, that's the way I'm seeing it. Um, I, in regards to you, Manpreet, talking about how you feel the fight's going to finish, I also lean on the durability of Morono. He's a dog fighter, man, and he can take damage. And like you said, I don't think that Cerrone's going to hit him with that blast one, one bomb that... Uh, like chaos knocked him out with that. I do think that he's got durability. I think Cerrone will just it'll just be accumulate an accumulation of volume unless he sets something up again, like you said, a head kick that lands flush and puts him out. But aside from that, I do think that's low a low percentage outcome as well. I think Cerrone wins a decision in this fight. I like it. I do like how you're uh, getting uh, the shades of the Pettis fight in there, as I do think that there are some similarities. They're not the same fighter, but I do feel like we're going to get something similar here. AJ, how are you feeling about this fight? Yeah, I'm feeling like Cerrone's just a better fighter. It's just a matter of how much does he have left in the tank. Um, I think he's the better striker because he's more technical. I think his uh, combinations have more variety to them. And I really like the craftiness of his striking, specifically like the breakaway strikes that he has. Uh, very nice head kick that was on display. Like he'll like against Leon Edwards, he was holding Edwards' glove. And then as they're kind of like branching off, <laughs> separating, he like threw a head kick. It was just, I mean, that's just what you get out of a true veteran like Cerrone, right? Yeah. So and just so experienced as a striker. Um, and so, you know, but Morono does have some good striking as well. I do think his boxing is fairly clean. Um, he's not the best athlete, but he does make the most in terms of his movement. He's constantly bouncing around. He does have some power in his hands. Uh, he's a BJJ black belt. And that is kind of the concern. I do think that I forgot who brought it up, but that's in part why he kind of accepts takedowns. Cause he's just like, well, I'm a BJJ black belt. I'm good on the ground. You know, yeah. I can maybe reverse, but against Cerrone, when Cerrone's in top position, uh, like you guys pointed out, it's it's assumed that Cerrone in all likelihood would stay safe because he too is a great submission grappler, a BJJ black belt. Uh, we just haven't been seeing it on display all too much recently because the book's already out on Cerrone. Everybody knows he's got a great ground game. Um, 
And so I do think that Cerrone's a better wrestler here. I do think he's got a, a good reactive takedown. Specifically, he showed that in the Anthony Pettis fight. I think he's the better striker here, but it's just a matter of, you know, how much does he have left? And I do think that he is uh, on a decline. You know, just four and four, seven and one is his record in the last 12 bouts. But at one point he was 32 and seven. I just, when I watch him on tape, I just see his speed has gotten slower. Just like watching some of his recent fights compared to, you know, some closer to his prime, maybe not like peak Cerrone, like title challenger Cerrone, but, you know, closer to there. Uh, it's just a, a very clear de uh, regression, in my opinion, unfortunately to say. And um, I think part of it was, you know, the Nico Price fight as well. You know, he absorbed 150 significant strikes there from Price, who's a big hitter. It bodes well for his durability, which Newsom pointed out, but I'm just not that big on how many strikes he actually took there. Um, he just, he's never been good at moving his head off the center line, you know, um, the Muay Thai striking background of Cerrone. So I, I do think that he's a better fighter here, and that's why I'm going to side with him. But um, again, it's not Cerrone minus 500. We're not getting a prime Cerrone. So uh, certainly Morono has a chance to win despite the short notice. He's the guy that appears closer to his athletic prime of the two. Um, he is a serviceable fighter everywhere the fight goes, except for uh, wrestling, because uh, he just doesn't shoot for takedowns for whatever reason. Reese McKee was the first fight he actually went for takedowns. Yeah. So it's anyway, it's interesting. But I think Cerrone has a wrestling advantage. I think Cerrone gets his hand raised. Yeah, it's interesting because I believe we saw Cowboy almost exercise his demons against Nico Price in terms of getting stopped early. He takes he took some very big shots from Nico Price. There are a lot of big elbows. He was able to kind of wane through it and then obviously keep going and make it to a decision. He ended up going to a draw there. Probably would have lost that fight if we didn't get that point taken away. But yeah, it was nice to see him kind of take that uh, and still keep chugging forward, especially against a heavy hitter like Nico Price. Notorious, how are you feeling about this one? You think Cowboy's got one big last one in him or do you think Barono's spoke? the party yeah um i mean i think uh cerrone is obviously well i mean just like you guys were talking about he's a better fighter all around it's just kind of like what aj said how much does he have left you know and here he is definitely fighting for his job so the motivation has to be at the highest level he possibly can be at this point and uh morono i don't know how much he was training or whatnot but i mean he accepted the fight so he probably was training uh but obviously cerrone should be in a better shape um and i think that um cerrone has more tricks you know up his up his sleeve uh and uh to beat cerrone you kind of have the, the blueprint is kind of out there you know you have to get in his face early you have to hurt him and if you don't put him away i mean at least uh, make him question himself right and I'm not sure if Morono is the type of guy that's going to be able to do it. Don't don't get me wrong. He does have some good striking. I mean, he has good, good hands. I just think Cerrone has seen, uh, you know, a lot better competition. I mean, look at the last, like, I mean, how many fights? I mean, when was the last time? Maybe the last guy who was on a similar level was Alex Hernandez. You know, he absolutely butchered that guy, right? So, and after that, I mean, even Ali Quinta, that's a, that's an impressive win. You know, Ali Quinta, I think Ali Quinta is probably a better fighter than Morono. I mean, obviously there's a different weight class, so there's that. But at this point, I think uh, the no, not, not having that weight cut is actually good for Cerrone. So I think Cerrone is in the better shape. He's a better fighter all around. And if uh, Morono doesn't lend anything clean in the first round, I think Cerrone is going to pull away. I wouldn't be surprised if he uses his wrestling more here and gets some takedowns. Uh, but uh, ultimately, I'm going to lean Cerrone by decision here. 
I like it. And one thing that I, I'm not sure if one of you guys actually touched on, Cowboy Up had Syndicate MMA, right? He changed it, or not changed, but actually moved up to Las Vegas, started training with uh, John Wood and those guys. I believe it's been for a couple of fights. Now, normally, when you know he doesn't really give a fuck, he just stays at the BMF ranch, brings in guys to train with, and just kind of does the routine. But now he is on his last legs, and he wants to kind of end off on a pretty uh, solid streak here. All right, that brings us to yeah, our main the, event. Uh, Go ahead. Sorry, it was the Pettis fight that he went to John Wood and had John Wood in his corner and, and stuff like that. So, yeah, it's been a couple of fights now. Perfect. And it's a, it's a good thing to see from Cowboy, who seems to be a guy that doesn't really give a fuck and just goes through the motions more often than not. All right. We're pretty much at the main event here. Uh, I do want to remind you guys, hit that like, hit that subscribe. I don't have my... Uh, uh, team finalized or my cast finalized for next week's uh, card yet and next week's show but as soon as i do i'll make sure i'll tweet that shit out and let you guys know asap but i promise i'm bringing some heavy hitters all right let's get to the main event here short notice we got marina rodriguez going up against michelle watterson they are going up a weight class just so that it's easy for them to make the weight marina rodriguez just got into vegas last night or yesterday yet she still goes out there makes the weight uh and she looked fine on the scales to me uh michelle watterson obviously coming in at 125 looks nice and thick i'm sure she did uh, appreciated the lack of weight cut there. Um, very intriguing main event to me. I can't wait to hear what you guys have to say about it. And Newsom, I'll let you kick this one off. How do you feel about this fight? Yeah, again, I'm going to keep it short and sweet because I think it's a good stylistic fight for Rodriguez in this fight. I think that Michelle Watson's going to need takedowns to win this fight. And I know she's got a karate background, and you, you can see that with the sideways stance where she bounces in and out. And she'll throw that side kick out to, well, she treats it a little bit like an oblique kick, but she'll throw it to the midsection as well. Um, and uh, from that side kick, she'll dart and she'll throw a jab, maybe a, a follow it up with a two. But ultimately, a striking is very tippy-tappy, so to speak, accumulation of volume, point scoring style. And that is just not going to wash with somebody at the level of Marina, uh, yeah, Marina Rodriguez is striking with a Muay Thai. A Muay Thai is crisp, offensively, defensively. She's going to eat those side kicks and, and that jab and that one two all day long with no problems. And even worse, she'll fire back with counters as well, hard counters, if she can get in close. And this is another thing. I said that Waterson is going to need takedowns in this fight, which I absolutely believe. But to get takedowns, you've got to close the distance, you've got to shoot to get the takedowns. I think Rodriguez is going to be physically stronger. That's going to allow her to keep more upright. I think a takedown defense is going to hold up in this fight. I don't think Watson's as strong as a wrestler as what Rodriguez has fought in a previous few fights. So I think that when Watson closes up in this fight and tries to take it down, I think the physicality and the takedown defense of Rodriguez will keep her upright. But I don't think that she will separate, find her angle, exit back out into space. I think she'll lock up the plumb clinch. I think she'll land knees. I think she'll land elbows. And this is what I'm saying around a stylistic, uh, a stylistically favorite, favorable fight for Rodriguez because I think at range, she beats a striking. I think in close, in the clinch, she absolutely lands some devastating strikes. But unless Watson can get down, I don't see Watson having too much success at all. And I just don't, I'm not going to, I'll never, and I always say this, I'll never say one fighter cannot take another fighter down. So it only takes one mistake, one uh, quick lapse of concentration, one misplaced thought, and you can be down. Um, you can even slip and be down. So I'm never going to say that one fighter cannot take another fighter down. But I just don't think that Waterson's going to be able to do it frequently enough, consistently enough across the five rounds in this fight to be able for that to have an effect on the fight, whether that be a submission, 
a finish on the mat or whether it, it factor into the judges' scorecards. I think this fight is won and lost on the feet. That's where I favour Rodriguez. I think it's a good stylistic fight for us. So, yeah, the picks Marina Rodriguez to win. Yeah, th this is also interesting considering that Michelle Warrison used to be the Adamweight champion down in, uh, in Invicta, right? And now she had to make a home at 115 pounds. And now she's going up another weight class to take the fight on short notice. At the weigh-ins, I did think that we'd see Marina Rodriguez have a little bit more of a height advantage, but I, I wasn't that blown away by the by the difference there. I thought they were a little bit closer. Uh, AJ, how are you feeling about this main event? Does Watterson have much bark as a dog here? I think she has some. Um I do favor Marina here. I do think that this fight is going to be mainly determined in the stand-up, and I just favor Marina in a stand-up fight. I actually would favor Marina in a stand-up fight over the vast majority of this weight class, but there's an issue uh, that I notice on tape, and I'm sure you guys do, that makes me concerned if she could actually climb that high. Um, she's a great striker, is Marina. Orthodox, uh, great countering ability, which was showcased in her last fight against Amanda Hiva. She's got very good power. Her one-two combo comes fast and sharp. She's got a hard low kick. She's just very dangerous in open space and in the clinch. Uh, she works the body well. She utilizes feints. All this is great. Um, and she also, on paper, has a BJJ purple belt, a lot of no-gi, BJJ experience. Um, her guard is generally difficult to pass, but the issue that I was alluding to is we've seen it time and time again. She struggles to scramble off her back. And... I know that that's fair to say, like against Carlos Barza, and but but when you see it beyond just the Carlos Barza matchup, right? It wasn't you know that long ago, you know three years ago or so against Brandon Marcos, where she was mounted in round one for like over three minutes, like she <laughs> lost the ten eight round there. She lost also lost the ten eight round to Cynthia Calvillo in round three. She was almost finished. The referee was was telling her telling her to fight back. Uh, she was also mounted by Calvillo in round one as well. But that has been kind of her hindrance, right? She's besting the women, these women on the feet, but if the fight goes to the ground one time, she could get her guard passed and she could nearly get finished. Um, even against Carlos Barza, if we actually look at the stats, I know Carlos took her down multiple times, but when she did take her down in rounds one and two, she mainly controlled her for the rest of the round until she went for like a heel hook, which was just so perplexing that to me. So weird. Um, yeah, as, as a better, I'm like, come on. But like, anyway, <laughs> sometimes you get those calls, sometimes you don't. But anyway, I uh, feel for anybody on Marina. But but here's <laughs> the thing is, is like, what when I see her just struggle to scramble off her back time and time again, it just, it's enough of a hesitation for me to not bet her at this current odds. I do think that she wins, but like we talk about, we just don't want to predict winners when we're betting. We, we want to predict the winners, but we also want there to be value on the line. And Again, people might disagree with me, but I personally don't think there's value on Marina's current betting line. And also just because, you know, Michelle, she came into the UFC as mainly like a head and arm throw specialist, but I have seen improvements with her takedowns, honestly. She's got a good reactive takedown, which she showcased and won round one against Ioanni and Jacek, of all people, who has historically shown great takedown defense. She also showcased it in round three against Angela Hill, a, a fighter with improving takedown defense as well. Uh, Chain wrestling ability does Watterson have? She's a proficient scrambler. We all remember that sequence where she took Yolanda's back and got both hooks in in their fight. And so she's also BJJ Brown Belt. She, I believe she got promoted after her win against Angela Hill. So that's that's a concern I have for Marina in this matchup. Like on paper, like I could see her takedown defense holding up, but if she just ends up on her back, that could be the round. Like Michelle could just win the round like that. Um, and even though I favor Marina as a striker, uh, we know Michelle is very uh, – capable there as well a black belt in freestyle karate she utilizes those kicks at range she could switch stances on you she pops the jab out with frequency um but she just doesn't take damage as well 
as Marina does, right? We saw Michelle rocked by Rose Namajunas by that head kick prior to the rear naked choke. And we also saw her hurt briefly by Courtney Casey. So that's what the matchup kind of boils down to me is I think Marina is the bigger finishing threat. And I do think there's a decent chance that this fight plays out for long enough on the feet where she wins the aggregate of the exchanges. But like, man, it could really just be, it would be frustrating for me as a Marina better to just see her stuck on her back for a round. And I know it's, it's five rounds instead of three, but just, even if it happens, like just sprinkled in a couple takedowns and then the striking exchanges are competitive enough, I could see the judges giving those rounds to, to Watterson. And so uh, prediction is Rodriguez. I hope she looks good. I'm high on her. Uh, but I would like to see more improvement out of her takedown defense and scrambling ability uh, to be confident to say that she could compete with, like, say, the top five of this weight class. Yeah, it's totally, it's very tough to overlook such a big flaw in somebody's game, especially when they have such talent in other aspects of the game as well. Notorious, how are you feeling about this one? You liking Watterson or are you liking Rodriguez? Um, yeah, so I think to me, um, obviously the fight being a 125 does make a difference here. I think that is better for Marina. Uh, she already has a size advantage to begin with. Uh, she's definitely the more dangerous fighter here. Uh, more physical, but uh, Michelle Watterson, I think she is underrated. I think her uh, takedowns, her timing, man, her timing is really, really good on those takedowns, you know, and I think she could get them here. And if she gets a takedown or two, I mean, that's how she could win a round, you know. So uh, the current line, I agree with AJ, doesn't really appeal to me too much. Uh, the other thing I just want to say on an unrelated note, I think those Archuleta tickets are going to burn, boys. <laughs> I think it might. I think it yeah. might. <laughs> uh, I'm not liking what I've seen here so far. I think Pettis is looking really good. But um, going back to uh, the breakdown, um, yeah, so I think if we're, if we're on the feet, right, I think I do trust Marina uh, to land more damaging strikes. Um, you know, she might have the volume edge. Uh, and all that good stuff, but like uh, Karate Hottie, she has that fight IQ, man. I think she has underrated fight IQ. She has that vet experience, and Marina, uh, she can be taken down, and she can lose rounds that way. So the current line is trash to me. Like I have, I don't want nothing to do with that. And to be honest, like uh, there could be a way better uh, opportunity life. I don't expect there to be a quick finish. I honestly don't think there's going to be a finish at all. Um, so if you guys want to bet uh, on this fight and maybe I'm going to be one of those people, uh, just wait for a better line live. If you want to bet on Marina, if you want to bet on Karate Hottie, like, I mean, plus 180 or whatever it is, I mean, that's good enough line. Um, I'll probably bet her by decision just to get a little more on it. I don't think she would finish Marina. Marina wasn't even finished by Cynthia. I mean, she took some pounding there. You know that uh, last round and uh cynthia is a finisher so um yeah so i think this fight is going to go to distance uh the line on marina is trash and uh but ultimately i'm gonna lean uh marina by you know maybe 48 47 49 46 something like that so yeah that's my pick uh i i slightly disagree with you i do think that we can see a finish in this fight i do think that marina is uh power wise i think she's at levels above what Mount waterson brings to the table here i think that she could torture on the feet but in terms of the takedowns and the grappling i think that we're going to see the uh, the cardio come into play here for marina rodriguez it's not that long ago where we were the ones being like okay the later fights go with rodriguez she does tend to slow down a little bit she does tend to give up some uh our positions on the ground and if you give me an extra 10 minutes to go out there against 
a proficient grappler in Marie or Michelle Watterson, I, I think that we could get a late finish here for Michelle Watterson. Now, uh, I think Watterson's takedown game, wrestling game, and grappling game is a, a very, very much underrated. I think that she could absolutely uh, clinch on a submission here. I think eight out of her 18 victories are by submission. It is something that she looks to go after. And I think that Rodriguez's inability to get back onto her feet, um, I think she will start to start giving up like these better positions, whether it's the full mount, the half guard, whatever it may be. Uh, I think that we'll see Watterson eventually get her back at one point and, and you know, threaten with chokes and threaten with arm bars, whatever it may be. The later this fight goes, I would have to uh, favor Watterson. I think that she is going to be more successful the later this fight goes, especially with the takedowns. Her striking is serviceable enough for me to believe that she'll be able to survive the striking exchanges and then eventually get her grappling game going, which is why I actually favor in this fight. I think she has a very good shot to go out there and spring the upset. You know, again, there is the big power from Rodriguez. That is a bit of an issue here, but I do think that the grappling will start to take uh, notice. I do think that we see Watterson complete takedowns. I do think we see her get a late submission here, probably in the fourth or fifth round once Rodriguez starts to, starts to tire more, right? Th this is not a good circumstance for Rodriguez. She's going up a weight class, short notice, first ever five-round fight. Uh, you know, Michelle Watterson's been in the K uh, ring, you know, five rounds before. She's actually gone the five rounds plenty of times. She's gone five rounds with you Yanjacek and never really showed uh, much issues in terms of that. Now I will say that Rodriguez, I call her the poor woman's version of Yuan Yanjacek, but I do think she has much more power in one punch than what Joanna brings to the table. And that's what kind of gives me some issues here with Watterson, who hasn't been finished by knockout in over 12 years. So that's a little bit of an issue too. Ultimately, I do think that we'll see... Um, We'll, we'll see Watterson land the takedowns and grind this fight out and uh, eventually get a late finish probably in the, like I said, either the fourth or fifth round. I think she snatches up a neck and gets a submission and, and brings home this short notice victory. I think it's going to be a great victory for her to, to get this on her record. Uh, so that's pretty much it. We've gotten through all 10 fights. It took us a little bit longer than I was expecting it to take us, but it is what it is. I'm happy to be joined by my guys as always. So I'm just going to throw it around the horn real quick so everybody can plug their shit. Let everybody know where you, they can find you guys. Newsome, I'll let you kick it off. Yeah, first of all, thanks for having me, man. It is 4.16 a.m. now, so I'm, <laughs> you know, I'm, Get some I'm sleep after sleep. this. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, but no, it's, it's been good. It's been good to break down fights for you guys. So thank you all for coming as well. Uh, great to have you know some fights on in the background to uh, uh, to keep us going. Also, uh, you can find me on Twitter, Newsom at Newsom underscore MMA. Um, if you're wanting anything from MMA Play Three Six Five, whether that be uh, handicapping advice, whether that be DraftKings FanDuel advice, or whether you need that tape index as a handicapper as well, you can find us at MMA Play Three Six Five across all social platforms and www.mmaplay365.com that's for, that's it for me uh thank you and good night and again thank you manpreet for having me on the show no worries no worries uh aj where can they find you buddy yes sir twitter this handle right here contribute to daily fan mma also mma Ozbreaker, as you mentioned off the top yeah uh, i'm behind a paywall right now i do bellator content and uh, ufc content i have multiple bets up tomorrow for ufc they could be accessed on my betmma.tips profile betmma.tips backslash anthony s364 it's also in my twitter bio um you can also view my third party track record there if, if you're not buying into the hype or anything like that so um but yeah it was it was a pleasure to chop it up with you guys you guys are super sharp on point as always it was awesome doing with this with you guys and uh, i wish you guys and everybody in the chat the best of luck absolutely notorious wrap it up how can they find you yeah they can find me on notorious picks you know on twitter uh yeah 
I have a link to my bet MMA over there. I don't have any uh, paid content as I don't think I deserve to do that. Uh, but uh, you guys should uh, support Locke, New Simon, AJ, three of the sharpest dudes in the industry. So, um, you know, guys are hardworking, proven record. And yeah, I love doing this. And anytime you want, you want to have me on lock, I'm always down. Obviously, obviously, you guys are more than welcome to obviously hop on and chop it up with us. Appreciate everybody watching. As always, make sure you guys hit that like, hit that subscribe. And we'll be back next week with another star-studded crew to go over UFC 262. Good luck on your best this weekend. It looks like the lock of the night streak has just lost. Finally, we had 10 straight lock of the night hits. Sergio Pettis pulls off the upset and beats Juan Archuleta via decision. Is what it is. Good fight from Sergio. Appreciate everybody watching. Good luck on the fights. And uh, we'll see you next week. Appreciate you guys joining us. Cheers, guys.